Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 173. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is actually with me I'm this here. time. I'm here. We are here at the Casa de Cold Coffee here in Las Vegas. First time together to do a show in like four weeks, man. It's been a while since we've been able to get together. And, uh, you know, I'm sure. Has it been that long? Yes. It's been a while, actually, man. four weeks? Four weeks. I feel like it hasn't been that long. It's 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 rough, dude. I, I like listenership Crazy. is at an all time low. People are I like, know. "Where is cold coffee?" I'm not listening to the show I mean, for I you. I thought Morgan. we retained more listeners because of it. <laughs> oh, they're just I, I see it, man. The, all the uh, you know the the metrics that we get, you know the studies, oh, yeah, the, yeah. all the all the deep numbers that w- are compiled by our research team uh, show that. Yeah, where is that darn research? It's team? been steadily declining <laughs> each week, and the analysts, of course, that we have on staff as well. Yes, uh, yes, pretty confident that it basically all boils down to the lack of coffee. They said we need we need more coffee. We need more we need more back and forth Charlie talk to keep things moving. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. Is people are tuning out. So so with all that in mind, we had to get back together. Not not traveling this week. Nobody's on the road for uh, the Hamburg show. Which, Hamburg, which is uh, you know a little disappointing that we don't have anybody out there. We don't have anybody yeah. out there at all. We don't even have Abby Saban out there. But I will say. Uh, the card is taking a lot of hits. So the, Mainly because we're not there. Is that what it is? It. Yeah. A lot of the fighters were just like, just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Junkie's not here? I'm Bro, jumping off that card. I'm, I'm faking an injury. Knees hurt. I'm pulling out. I'm pulling <laughs> out. Good to be back together. We uh, cracked open a couple of frosty beverages. couple? I got like triple fisting going over here because I didn't realize that one that was sitting next to you earlier was my already open one and i got two cold ones here i gotta i gotta catch up you know i'm i'm out of practice like you said it's been four weeks when you're not around i honestly don't drink that often really shocking as it seems uh i've tried to uh you know keep my drinking a lot of times to the taping uh-huh. of this you know besides you know if, if it's a random weekend or we're cooking out a barbecue or whatever you know you sit in poolside it's nice to have a frosty one but uh um yeah i've kind of i kind of limit it so i Amazingly enough, still have quite the tolerance so that I could still go pretty hard. But, you know, we're not drinking uh, some fatty ballast point tonight or anything. You know, we got some nice light beer. So it's uh, easy to go down. You can drink like 12 of them before you start to crack a real buzz. I got to be honest with you. Um, I have a similar story in that uh, when I'm not with you. No, it's not similar at all. Actually, I still drink yes, just as do. much. Just <laughs> yes, as much. It's not, that's right. It's the exact opposite of what you just said. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. So, uh, all right, listen. Uh, my drinking habits aside, let's not talk about PFLs in the books. We just finished watching. Yeah, we l- let the show wrap up before we decided to sit down and do it. Uh, we didn't want to necessarily go while the show was on. I gotta say, man, I'm still digging the professional fight league, man. Pro- oh, see, I gotta get it right. Professional fighters league. Yeah. If, I, if I'm digging it, I guess I gotta make sure I say it right. Well, it's kind of confusing when you look at their Facebook. It's like Pro Fight League or something right. like it. It shrinks it down as well. So you were just combining their social media platform it's with totally. their their names. You know, you can't you can't be to blame. You know, it's no. But it was fun not. fights from what we saw. I mean, uh, you know, even Palmer there, his opponent was just seemed very clearly outmatched. You know, it wasn't the the big you know rock 'em sock 'em that I thought we would see. He did eventually get the finish on the head crank there, but. Uh, 
I thought he's. I thought he was going to get him yeah, out early. I, yeah, I, I mean, he came in the ready to slug, but you know, and it's odd that they kept like you know every time they tell the the stat of his opponent, you know, he'd be like one punch. You know, like after ten minutes, is this the happening? official stat had thrown one punch. <laughs> one punch. I'm like, uh, but it was fun. Good fights, man. And uh, Harrison looked good before that. And uh, Francois Barroso, who was Bajosa like basically good. terrible in the UFC, yeah. now has two quick first round finishes. He's a he's a a, a favorite at heavyweight. Steven Siler, a little bit of controversy there. Steven Siler with the submission over Alessandre Almeida, the technical submission. You and I watched that over and over, man. I, I you know, Dan Mirigliata, I, I respect him a lot as an official, man. I think he does a good job. Yeah. He's he's definitely a professional. Um, I'm just not exactly sure what he saw. I wish I, wish I could talk to him because, again, he does have a, he up. does have a better angle and a different angle than we do. But yeah. I watched that over and over and over. And from the camera angles and, and PFL, they replayed every single angle. Yeah. I don't know how he could tell that Almeida was out yeah. because he couldn't see his face. I did see I did see the one, I believe it was his right arm that he was posting with, seemed to go like a, not limp, but when, when Siler turned, right. he didn't press down further. You know right. what I mean? It just kind of like hung there. So right. I, I don't know. And, and then – when they got up, Almeida said, what happened? And so that made it even more confusing because I don't know if he was saying what happened. Because obviously when you get choked out, you don't realize you've been choked out. Yeah. And the first thing you do is what happened. But I kind of think it was more like, what why happened? Why it? are you stepping in? Right. Yeah, did something happen like outside the cage that we yeah. didn't see? Like, why are you stopping us? Uh, so I don't know, man. Did you? I, yeah. Bad, bad call. And you're right. Uh, I mean, it's it's tough to tell because we only have the vantage point of what the TV shows us. But when I was looking at the, uh, you know, the shot where you kind of were looking on their back and you see the back of Mergliata come in there, it looked to me from where his angle that it, I didn't think that he would be able to see the hand, whether it was limp or anything on the other side. It's true. It still looked like it was kind of curled under. Um, he definitely it wasn't as planted like it was before that they had shifted positions. So to me, he either was leaning and you could tell that Dan was leaning over. So maybe he was able to, he's a tall guy. So maybe the, the, uh, the amount that he was leaning over, he was able to see something. But to me, it happened so quickly that I didn't get the sense that he would be able to gauge, Oh, wait, Hey, it's limp. Right. You know, typically, I mean, cause he, when he grabbed that arm, it wasn't a testing grab. It was like he was grabbing at both sides and immediately stopped it. So typically in that situation, they would grab it. And, you know, I never heard him say, are you okay? Are right. you whatever? He never gave the fighter a chance to give a thumbs up or anything. So for me, it still seemed like it was – it seemed rushed. When I when I watched it, I thought the de the decision to, to, to make it stop was rushed. But right after he'd stopped him, the way that the fighter still was sort of – limply laying on Lance and wasn't really moving till a couple seconds, you know, and the kind of the blood crept, you know, crept back into his head. Then it seemed like he kind of snapped back to life. So the fact that he didn't immediately pop up and sort of say what happened right after it, to me, it felt like he did go out, right? you know, but I didn't see any visible signs. So this could be an amazing instance where Dan's like, I'm so on it and so in tune. I could tell the dude was out. He was snoring, but y'all couldn't y hear couldn't it or hear something. It. Yep. You know, but for the fact that, you know, that he couldn't really respond immediately after it seemed like it was a good stoppage, but just seeing it happen in, in real time, 
it seemed like an early stoppage. It was weird because when he tried to pull him off, he was still kind of stuck there. Just kind of laying there. Yeah. Just kind of limp. He wasn't reacting. Like, his left arm never came to and snapped out of it. You know, when, when the opponent's not doing anything and, you know, you stop and there's no uh, – he wasn't cranking anything. There wasn't that arm coming up to sort of like just – do anything. It right. just stayed limp, like he was still unconscious. It looked right at that point. At that point, it looked like it was right. And then it wasn't sure. Yeah. A little bit kind of. The good news is Almeida had six points the first time out, so he, he he's still going to be in the playoffs, so that's a good thing. The bad news is uh, if you start the playoffs right now, he faces Timor Valiev, who I think Timor Valiev is an absolute stud. He picked up a win earlier in the night as well. Uh, Kelvin Tiller picked up a win. Uh, it was Philippe Lenz, uh, I should say, on the main card. Uh, was able to score the TKO win over Alex Nixon. Alex, he just let his patience uh, or lack of patience get the better of him. Man, it looks like he, he got a little bit frustrated and he over pursued and it cost him. Um, so yeah, seven out of the eight uh, positions are secure in the playoffs for both the featherweight and the heavyweight class. Uh, Steven Seiler and Lance Palmer are your number one and two seeds at featherweight. Francimar Barroso and Kelvin Tiller are your one and two seeds in the heavyweight class. And I gotta say, man, I'm digging it. And you know what I think it is, Cold Coffee, is that when you're watching the card, it's like every. I know this sounds terrible to say, like every fight matters, but every fight is connected to each other. You know right. what I mean? Whereas, like on the UFC. You know, you start in the prelims, and yes, they they matter because, like, I mean, you know, me, dude, I like the debuts. You know, I like the they got the yeah. stories. You know, I mean, they all matter, but they're all just kind of like their own little. Unless you're fighting in a number one contender spot, like right. trying to get to a title, it doesn't really. You're just kind of on your own little island. I think that's what yeah. I like about this is it seems like every fight is connected to the other, so it's like the whole program matters. Yeah, connected and, and like there's a sense of immediacy to how they're connected. It's one thing if it's a fight where you got number one and number two fighting and then the, the number three and the four, you know, or the next contenders in the UFC, that could be number five and number right. eight, you know. Um, but, yeah, then in that case, you're like, okay, this contender match, these guys very well could be fighting these guys. But when you're watching this, it's guaranteed that you're watching and these guys are going to be the ones that are fighting them immediately after it. So by them, they can literally go fight – Go back in the room, watch a fight happen, knowing that this guy more than likely is going to be your very next opponent. You know, mm -hmm. so there's something very, very neat about that. You know, the the immediacy that each one certainly does seem to make sense. That it, it's important. Each yep. win is very important. Where in the UFC, yes, of course, it's always important to get a win, but you know, you don't know. There's always question. That's half of what we write about. Right? Is the the, the name next? game? What's next? Who comes next? Who's going to come next? You know, it's nice that, that here they're like. Well, it's either going to be this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, or this guy. You know, so. I dig it, man. It's kind of cool. But the fight's delivered. I mean, that's the main thing. I mean, like, regardless of the structure of anything, fights. the fight's still got to be good. And tonight was, uh, I missed the first, uh, the last uh, PFL. So, coming in and watching tonight, you know, I was amused. Like, I yep. liked it. I was entertained. I dig it, man. I'm entertained as well. Uh, you know, again, the UFC is always going to be UFC. It's not like I'm saying, you know what? This is the brand of MMA that's going to be at the forefront. I'm not saying that, yeah. but I just enjoy it. You know, I mean, they're doing something different. So it's right. like it's having, you know, instead of just saying, well, on Thursday we've got to watch this organization, on Tuesday we've got to watch this. It's unique. You know, what I mean, yeah. like we love the Contender Series on Tuesday because of what it is. It's small card, yeah. fast. It's it's you know people trying to get in the UFC. This is its own entity. But instead, of just watching another set of fights. Yeah, it's got like a whole different feel to it. I dig that, man. Yeah. I think it keeps my interest. It does, and and it's neat with the the little point system. But I wonder even if the UFC really started matching up like according to rankings, right. if we would have some of that sense of. 
the immediate what these bouts really mean. You know, like if three and and the four fight, you know, and they win, three's gotta his next fight has to be number two or number one. That'd be cool. You know, not going back to number six or some other little thing. I mean, I, I wish I wish the UFC. Would would have the guts to, to to roll the dice and do one of these Grand Prix like this this Bellator welterweight Grand Prix, I think they nailed it as far as what they're doing. They're they're you know Rory the champ is in the tournament. He's in the field and his belt's on the line. You know what I mean? So it's like to me, I, that's cool. Like had yeah. had you had Rory in the tournament but not had him have his belt on the line, or had yeah. you had all those guys fighting for the right to fight Rory, I would have dug that as much. But to have the champ in there. And to have his belt on the line, I dig that, and I don't see why the UFC yep. couldn't take rankings one through eight, and you know, one fights eight. I mean, maybe maybe that means your champ is fighting a dude that shouldn't be challenging for the title if you do one versus eight. But it's still but eight. That's yeah, still it's still that's, not bad. It's still not even that's better than top ten. You know, like I mean, it's it's still legit fights. You know, and the way that the structure runs right now with the UFC. That could happen anytime right now anyways. So the fact that they actually would be putting a little bit maybe more oomph behind it, um, I like it. I, I mean, mean look, look at it. If you did it at heavyweight, let's say you did this in heavyweight because heavyweight is one. The only one that's in there is Minikoff, so you'd have to pull him out. All right, so check this out. If you did it in Minikoff, and I'm going by the USA Today rankings, we do have Minikoff at number three um, who fights for Fight Nights Global, so you'd have to yank him out. So your first-round matchup would be Daniel Cormier versus Junior Dos Santos. Stipe Miocic versus Alistair Overeem. Rematch there. I was going to say, yeah. this, this is all sounding very plausible. Alexander Volkov versus Francis Ngannou and Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis. That's, that's like, your first-round matchups. Yeah. I love that. That's Those are all really good matchups. I love that. And that's like legit stuff that actually is kind of people already sort of calling those out right now. And yeah. Like, saying, like that makes a lot of sense. I wish they would do that. I mean, pick one if you yeah. just pick one weight class a year. Just do one a year or something and let it play out over the course of the year. I don't know, man. I, I just yeah. I think it would be fun. But I think even with that, you know, you're right. It is nice that Roy's got his belt on the line. But actually, even with just the names that they're throwing into that tournament, I mean, I'd be into it. Oh, that Welterweight Grand Prix it's is legit. St- it's stacked, man. That's that's some good that's some good stuff. It's so. legit. I'm excited for that one. Uh, I was a little surprised. The zone's gonna be ten bucks a month. That's steep, man. Wow. That's well, the probably, uh, yeah. I mean, because especially because ESPN Plus is at half the cost. I know. I wonder if it's partially too because they're uh, reselling um, a lot of their internet, so they're paying more for the 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 their internet that they use to push stuff out. Could be. Whereas ESPN maybe has more pi- uh, buying power. Right. So maybe they get a better deal that they can filter it down. So they're just having to pay more money out, so they got to charge. Right. I mean, they did. I, man, I think, if I remember right, and again, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't follow nothing, boxing. I mean, I don't know what else is on besides, like, maybe boxing. Or well, like, matchroom boxing is on there. I think they paid, a, I, I think it's a billion-dollar deal. Now, it's over, like, nine years or eight yeah. years. It's not three years like Bellator is. Um, now, DAZN in some properties, like I think in Canada, for instance, they carry the NFL. Now it's like 20 bucks a month in Canada, but they carry the NFL. That's pretty cool. I mean, if you're in another country and you're paying for the NFL, like I get it. But I don't know, man. The, the 10 is going to be – I think that's a little steep, man. It is a lot. I think it's a little steep, just for, for especially if you're just an MMA fan. Now, you know, I, I mean, I watch boxing, but I don't seek out boxing. So, I mean, obviously we'll have DAZN because I'll, I'll need to pay for it for work. Maybe I'll flip over there sometimes and, and watch it, but to be honest with you, like I'm basically just looking for MMA. That's that's yeah. pretty steep. So now you gotta. I don't know if you have to have Fight Pass anymore once the ESPN Plus thing happens. If you're a US guy, 
I don't know if you have to have Fight Pass anymore. Because but didn't I, we say we weren't quite sure if they got full access to the library? Well, they don't. They only get the UFC library. They don't get everything right. else. So, I mean, if you want the archival stuff to everything right. else, and, of course, if you want the other organizations, if you want, you know, the Invictas, the, the Eddie Bravos. What's WWE Network? Isn't that $10 a month? But that gets you so. But that gets you the pay-per-views, too. The UFC's got to go to that at some point, right? they got to at some point roll the pay-per-views in there, too. I mean, you figure if there's what – how many pay-per-views are there? 10, 13? Yeah, 12, I think. Something like that. So even if they did 10 bucks for that month, even if people signed up for that month, I mean, that's an extra 120 I mean, it's guaranteed money that right now I think they would do. But I wonder if they could maybe do they'd do something where it's like you had to be a subscriber the month prior to get the, the next month. You don't month need to pay-per-view. sign up. Just you can't sign up for 10 bucks and get a pay-per-view. minimum or something like that. So yeah, somewhere they had to like get something. Or maybe even something like that. Yeah, you get one pay-per-view. Right. Like if you you know, you know sign up and you, know, you get one pay-per-view. Uh, I could still see people saying that it was worth it for that. They still make a ton of money off but, pay-per-view, so I don't think it's going anywhere soon. I mean, they still make a ton of money. Now, yeah. But I would love to see, you know, maybe there's two or three pay-per-view events a year that you have to pay for that don't that aren't included because here's the problem i mean yeah. the, the big news this week uh dallas you know ufc returned to dallas which obviously i'm happy about that's my hometown i love any chance i get to go see my, see my family is that oh, where the pecan lodge is oh yeah Oof. downtown barbecue if you're gonna be in dallas that place is like i call shit. it pecan lodge because pecan pecan whatever because i'm from pecan a different lodge. part of the country but <laughs> uh no but it's uh it's fantastic barbecue right downtown not too far from the arena it's in uh the deep Ellum area it's dope yeah put that on your list but anyway <laughs> uh so dallas is happening and it's a good lineup man you look at the you look at what they announced for it i'm i'm excited about it i mean obviously again i'm happy anytime i get to go home and go to dallas but it's a really good lineup. It's it's a deep, deep lineup, right? All right, you got some of the bigger fights on the course. Nico Montagna puts her belt on the line against Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, the Zabit Magomed Sherpa versus Yair Rodriguez fight that we've been talking about forever is happening there. Uh, Jessica Andrade versus Karolina Kovacavich. Cody Staman versus Aljamain Sterling. I think that's going to be a great fight. Carlos Esparza, Tatiana Suarez. I like that. John Dotson, Jimmy Rivera. Love that. Um, so it's a good card. But it's missing a main event, right? It's missing a big main event. No disrespect to Nico Montagna, Valentina Shevchenko. That is not going to sell pay-per-views. That's not going to sell tickets. They need something else. They had been trying to get Tyron Woodley and Colby Covington to unify the belts on there, which that would be a phenomenal main event, right? There's heat there. There's bad blood. There's, you know, it's, 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 it's unifying titles. It would be great. But they're running into an issue because it sounds like Colby Covington is not going to be ready for that date. Uh, I, I spoke to his team today. Of course, that fight's on September 8th, and and they said, look, there is an injury. It's injury-related. Not going to be ready in time. Can't fight September. Uh, then there's reports coming out that the UFC is considering stripping him of his interim title, which to me reeks of an anger decision, uh, very much kind of like Brian Ortega, man, where I think the yeah. UFC did Brian Ortega dirty, to be honest with you, um, because he wasn't willing to just say, hey, I'll step up and fight anybody, anytime, anywhere, which I know we love. I mean, that's why we love a Donald Cerrone, you know, because he will do that. But there, there are times and situations where I think it's smart to manage your career. And I feel like the UFC is upset because they know they need this main event for this card and they're struggling to put something together. Where if it was just on 
if it was a part of a monthly subscription or something like that, they wouldn't be so stressed yeah, out about it. You're right. You know what I mean? Because it's what only three months. That would be three months time from when he got the belt. Yeah. Roughly three months. Yeah, and you're gonna and strip they're him. They're already gonna strip him. It's so ridiculous. That, look, man, I, I, it's so shitty. I, I like, what at the point? It's already shitty that the fact that you know interims after they, you know, oh we got we got to throw this together. We got to make this an interim belt, you know, and then, oh now we just got to strip it because we have to have an interim belt over here, and it's like. Just re- put a legit fight together. It doesn't need to be a title fight. If you already got one title fight, I think you could still put together some something. You know, I MMA mean, Junkie Radio today. We were talking about this. Megan Olivia was on. She threw out there. What if you had Anthony Pettis versus Nate Diaz in the main event? Diaz would work. That's Pettis, what, I'm just like. Eh. Well, they've, they've been talking a little bit, but yeah. I'm just having Diaz there. I mean, Diaz I, would. Diaz, yeah, he would be. He would definitely be the plus side. Yeah, and he would bring it. Like, I mean, no offense to Anthony, but it's just like people want to see Diaz. Right. I mean, but that's just what I'm saying. Saw Pettis if fight, that was the you know? main event and there yeah. was a title in the co-main, I mean, I don't know if they'd allow that to happen, but that wouldn't be bad, right? Yeah, it wouldn't be bad. Get uh, get old Nick and Anderson together. <laughs> well, Anderson won't be ready. We know he'll be ready in October. We'll get to that in a second. I don't know. It's just it's it's a uh, that sucks. I just it just reeks of just BS to, to to possibly even strip him, if especially if it is an injury. Like, come on, it's that's not even three months time. Like, they haven't asked any other champ to immediately turn around three months later and defend the belt. Right. When was the last time something like that happened? That's right. Fucking ridiculous. I agree. I, I reached out yeah. to Dana before we uh, sat down to record this. He he didn't answer me back to just to verify that. Like, hey, Dana said something. On no. It? <laughs> are you are you trying to you know are you going to strip Colby? He didn't hit me back. Um, so I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. But even if the discussion is happening, yeah, to me it's just it, it's if that's the case. And, and look, I get it. Like I understand why Dana and why UFC officials were pissed off at Brian Ortega. A couple weeks ago, I get it. I understand in the heat of the moment when you're talking about millions of dollars hanging in the balance. I understand why they were pissed off, right? But to to not pay him anything for his camp, um, to 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 basically threaten to do an interim title fight without him involved, which made no sense whatsoever. To me, these these are just emotional decisions, anger fueled decisions. That aren't good. And the same thing's here. I mean, look, Colby Covington, I know a lot of people hate him. There's a lot of people hate him. But he moves the needle. And yeah. he can fight. He's yeah. not just a talker. He can fight. He shows up. He shows up on fight week. I mean, he does what he needs to do. I mean, he shows up on time. He talks mad stuff and gets people all fired up. But then you're right. He goes out there and performs. He's I mean, usually early to our interviews. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, – you love him or hate him, he doesn't deserve to get uh, – you know, stripped if if it's a legit thing, and even if it isn't, three months. I mean, it's just ridiculous. That just shows that the UFC, the way that they feel that they need to book these things and have to have these two title bouts, and oh, we got to make these interim things, or people aren't going to. It just feels to me like they've lost confidence in the fact that the viewers are willing to pay the money that they want anymore. You know, I mean, I mean, I get I it. Montano versus Shevchenko. No disrespect to either one of those ladies. Right. Would not sell out the arena Correct. and would not be a pay-per-view hit. I right. get it. They need they need they another need fight. Something. They I, need something. I don't think it needs to be a title fight. I mean, it, it could make maybe even like a contender or like a number one or something. Something that's legit, you know. I think this might be the time to do uh, an Ortega 
uh, interim fight because we don't know what's going on with Max Holloway. We right. got an update today that Max is in Vegas right. getting some testing done, which just goes to show you that at this point they still don't know what's happening. And I know you and I talked to the same people behind the scenes. It doesn't sound like people are especially excited right now about the prospects of Max Holloway returning quickly. Now, that doesn't right. mean that he won't return at all, but it does seem like this is not going to be as cut and dry. And, and you and I have said this all along. I think there's more to this than people are, are, are wanting to believe. I don't think this is going to be cut and dry. He's back. So maybe this would be a time to put Ortega. I mean, I, hell, I wouldn't even mind if he threw Mendez in there after the performance he had the other night. But maybe that's too soon. You know, I guess you could wait and see what happens in Calgary. And if Stevens does win, maybe you do that that Stevens-Ortega fight. That, I mean, I know it would be an interim title fight. But I think that – I mean, Stevens-Ortega in, in the main event, I think that would be – I mean, maybe not your huge seller, but yeah. I feel like Ortega was starting to it get would, some shine. It would probably do more than 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 the Nico and Valentina. Yes. It's another one. I'm I'm not completely thrilled with it, um, with the the Stevens and uh, Ortega. I would like to see Ortega fight in there. And, and you're right. I mean, like I guess if there was room for another interim match, that's the one that makes sense. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean the card. When you look down it, I mean there are some good names, but yeah, it, on its own. It just it, it feel, but it feels like what uh, a lot of pay per views used to be, you know. Like I think they got to this mode where they felt like each pay per view needed to one up everybody, right. and the fact that you know this card, I mean, you know, take this back a few years back, it might have been a decent pay per view, and people maybe would have been like, okay, we get it. But now they, I feel like that they've set the bar, or they feel that they have to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um. I don't know. It just sucks that now that we get all these interim things that keep popping up. And when is the end going to there's, – there's like no end in sight. How do right. you fix that if they feel like they can't have a pay-per-view without there being like two title fights on there, you know? Like how can there ever be a possibility that all this interim craze doesn't go away, you know? And it it almost feels like just have to like pull back. Like just wean yourself off. Have one hard – you know, fight where you're just like, fuck, numbers kind of suck, but we got back to just doing, like, one legit fight, one legit title fight or something. I mean, I, 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 I swear there was a day when they there weren't, pay, you know, pay-per-views that didn't have title fights. Of course. You know? There used to be, and, like, now we got two, and they want to have three or whatever on, on, a, on one, but I don't know. I'd uh, like to think maybe this would be the thing that would – Get Dana to finally go. You know what? Maybe we do need that 165 division. They could just create a create a title fight right here. Let Woodley fight for that a second belt. Be, that would be a fixer. Maybe right say there. Woodley. Hey, pick which one you want. Just say pick, look. They got a couple trump cards that they could do. Yeah, they, they like, let's play I'm, that one trump card. I think this would be. Then we'll the hold on to the 175 for later. I think you say. Well, here's what I do. I think you roll out 165 and 175. Right. I yeah. think you ask Woodley. Which one do you want? Like, which one? Right. Do you, or maybe to be safe, you give them one seventy five. Because then you get the chance for them to be a two two division. Yeah, 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 and then yeah, exactly. And then now Woodley's a champ, champ. I mean, I don't think you could strip him because he's got a one seventy title. You can't say okay, now you have nothing. Yeah, at least I mean the way that they've kind of did it now, where it's like they're letting guys, like ever since Connor, they're like, oh well, we'll 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 breach that you know subject when we get there. But yeah, we're gonna let him hold both. Right. You know, so now it seems like okay, you know, but. Has Tyron been the same as like what a DC is? I can almost see them being a little bit more dickish oh, with yeah. him and saying, "All right, we well, yeah, we'll let you go to the 175, but you got to relinquish this." Yeah, I mean they're already talking about interim belts anyways, so it's like, what's the point? That'd be here's you know? what you do. Here's what you do. You give Tyron the 160. Okay, so you listen. Okay, 170 doesn't exist anymore. Now we're just in pure fantasy land, but who cares? Yeah. Why not? 
You say, all right, We're look. trying to save the, the UFC. Well, yes, that's right. We're trying to save <laughs> Dallas. Here's what you do. You say, okay, 170 doesn't exist anymore. We now have 165, 175. Tyron, you're the 165-pound champ, okay? Uh, so you got that. But you just got to make you weight officially once. <laughs> <laughs> just, just If you, you can make the weight, a picture of a scale, if you can fine. make the weight, we'll let you keep I the say, belt. I say you just give him the 165 belt. And then you say, and now you're fighting Till for 175. Because that takes care of the issue. Because, you know, right now, Till's trying to get this title fight. Yeah. But it's real easy to be like, bro, you didn't even make weight last time out. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you're like, but it's at 175, 175. now it's not a problem. There. Done. We fixed it. That would, that would, <laughs> I would watch that. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. But I'd see it. You but got, I would watch it. But you're right. You got Woodley going for champ, champ status. You're not as worried about Till anymore because you don't have to worry about him getting all the way yeah. down to 170. And now you've got an extra belt because you need extra. I mean, you need more titles when you're trying to put two on every. When you're trying to do two on every one, and you wouldn't have to do some ridiculous thing like strip a guy three months after he's got a belt. That's wrong. That's so ridiculous. Look, man, I hope they don't. I hope they don't do Colby dirty like that. I know that a lot of people hate Colby. I've always liked Colby. I've always made it clear that I like Colby. I get it. He said some stuff that's over the line. There's no question about that. But let's realize he's definitely playing a character, and he's playing it very well because he's, right. he's getting himself fights and he's right. pissing people off. He plays the heel well. He plays the heel well. And I'm telling you right now, if they strip him just because he says, I can't fight in September and it's an injury, that's dirty, man. Yeah. That's dirty. The only thing I can think is that they've got doctor reports that say he's fine. He can fight. But – Right. There's a difference between he can fight and he, like he, he feels ready and should. Yeah, I mean, and they they've always said like if a fighter's not 100, percent we don't want to force them to do that's it. That's right. They say that, but then when it gets but down to like, uh, bro, the doctor said you were fine. Joseph. Our doctor said you were 100 percent fine. You know? <laughs> the guy that we the pay. guy that we pay on our salary <laughs> says that you're completely fine. So I don't understand what the problem is here. That's so true. Joe Silva used to be big on that man. He was like, dude, I would much rather you pull out of a fight than to tell me afterwards that you didn't didn't perform up to your level of expectations because you were hurt. Weird. Weird power outage all of a sudden. I was going to say, do we <laughs> it's keep legit, going? No, it's like a power outage. But, yeah, I mean, well, we're recording, but I don't know what the fuck just happened. The power just went out. Is it due to the heat? And it's back. Like, are, over in this area, like, literally. Well, no, it's because remember they said that there was a possible thunderstorms or something. Like, if the wind kicks up, like, in the thunderstorms, like, in our general area, the wind comes so heavy that up the up the hill about maybe half a mile up by Mariana's up the up the way, yeah. there's like a power station or whatever. Right. The wind fucking knocks it offline like all the time. That's crazy. So not too long ago when you were gone, there was a power outage and I went on the site. They said there was like forty thousand fucking customers without power because it like the storm just came through and it just knocks Get your the infrastructure shit together. Las Vegas. Well, that's saying we're. I think it's just the old shit in the middle. Like you guys all in the outskirts. I think it's they're like newer substations right, or whatever, right. or they're just the fact that the the wind acts weirder here in the in the. So when it does hit here, it fucking just knocks the power out. So That's yeah, crazy. so we just had that quick little blip. So right. whatever. We were we were. I, I couldn't decide if we were supposed to be professional and just well, drive if, through if, it. If if this was like powered out and like this knocked down, but yeah, I was like, fuck it, let's just let's just keep going. So I hope you all enjoyed that. That was a, a quick. Power blackout. We were sitting in the dark. We were sitting in the dark. All right. Well, uh, listen, speaking of things that uh, don't work, let's talk about something that does. And speaking of things that I was digging earlier, let's talk about something <laughs> I am digging now. Dollar Shave Club. Because <laughs> he was digging up in there with uh, them Charlie. <laughs> 
By now, you certainly know about Dollar Shave Club because you've heard Cold Coffee and his <laughs> is a quality stumping for one wipe Charlies. <laughs> They've got fantastic razors, but that, and they deliver it to your door, and that's what makes it amazing. You don't have to go get it, and it's high quality stuff. But it's not just razors. That's it's that's not just razors. That's not. They got everything. They got everything you need to to keep yourself looking sharp, feeling sharp, smelling good. The shave butter. You got to get the shave butter. The shave butter. Gives you, I'm telling you, this, this just, just like a baby's bottom. I was gonna just, say, you look like a baby's oh, bottom right now. I feel like a baby's bottom. <laughs> it's just amazing. Do you it's smell just, like it? Can I smell it? Can I, I smell? It, it smells like baby powder. Mm. Mm. The shea butter. You gotta get the shea butter. And they, they've got things like shampoo. They've got the yep. sage and black pepper shampoo. Which, by the way, Ooh. I was gonna say they should sponsor Sage Northcut oh. because they've got the sage and black pepper shampoo. He should be sage black pepper. Northcut. I like Get it. Get that announced like that. I like it. That would be solid. I thought at first you were gonna maybe talk about wings. Like that sounded like be a good flavor of wings at like B dubs or something. Sage and black sage pepper. Sage and black pepper or something. Okay. Hey B dubs, I know y'all listening. I can get down on that. But hey, maybe maybe the Dollar Shave B dubs partnership is in the works. We're just setting it going. It's got to be creating it. So listen, they got all kinds of stuff at Dollar Shave Club. Uh, you, you really got to give it a go. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now. Yes. We've we've had multiple sponsors over over the months and years of the MMA Roadshow, but this they will is come one, and go. They come and go. This is one that I will be a, a customer of, whether or not they continue to support. It. I'm telling you, it's that damn good. For a mind-blowing experience, join Dollar Shave Club today. And for just $5 with free shipping, you'll get the six-blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shave butter, body cleanser, and one-wipe Charlie's, or otherwise known as couple white Charlies, back and forth Charlies, go back in there Charlies, get you some Charlies. Then, keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash road. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash road. Do it. Alright, it's been a crazy week since the last time we got together. Well, it's been a month since we got together, but since the last time crazy. I did a show and, and a half from Boise. Uh, but you and I have stayed Boise. busy. That's right. Boise. You're doing well. Uh, but you and I have been busy since we got back, including uh, we had a chance to go sit down at the Performance Institute with yes. former UFC women's bantamweight champion Misha Tate, who was very Misa? gracious with her time. And uh, we had kind of a, a wide-ranging uh, interview. We talked first about you know getting an update on her, what's going on with motherhood, where she sees her direction, and what's coming up next for her. And then we had a chance to, I thought it would be fun because she is kind of an analyst now and she's trying to do more work like that, to get her to talk about because there's a lot going on in the women's divisions yeah. right now, right? I mean, obviously Rose Namajunas has, has risen to stardom. Uh, we've got this flyweight title fight where everybody is counting Nico Montano out before it even starts. Uh, we've got this proposed super fight between Amanda Nunes and Chris Cyborg. And I thought it would be fun to get Misha Tate's uh, – take basically on on all those divisions and these champions and what she thinks about them that sort of thing so yeah we we, we will have videos on mma junkie and youtube and all that as well so mm -hmm. if you're if you want to check those out i mean i know it's probably not too hard to get people to click on a video of misha tate, <laughs> misha tate right? uh but as a roadshow listener we're giving you the sneak preview yeah so hear it all now here is misha tate and hopefully the power stays on here while you're listening to this Misha, we know you're a, a, a brand new mom. Give us an idea kind of how motherhood is treating you and what, what life is like for you these days. Motherhood has forced me to 
totally reorganized my life and changed things. I used to be such a spur of the moment person and I realize now I have a baby and I have to really plan things and think things through and have a diaper bag and I'm really responsible for this whole other little person. So it's given me a whole new perspective and um, such a respect for parents and you know, obviously mothers. Every mother who's done this before me has my complete admiration because it's not easy. I think that if if mother was if, if motherhood was easy, it would be called fatherhood. <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> That's great. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gets bored about it. Uh, what, is, what does it mean for you professionally? I mean, you were such a busy person, I mean, even though you retired from MMA competition, still training, managing fighters, uh, mm -hmm. the Sirius XM show, podcast. I mean, you were doing so many things. So. What does it mean for you professionally and for fans? I mean, are you gonna to have to pull back a little bit or what's, what's it gonna mean for you moving forward? Professionally for me, I think it, it may have helped because it's forced me to become more organized. So that's really good. Um, the, the other part of it though is just having a lot more on my plate. Obviously some things have to, have to go and Maya is gonna replace some of those responsibilities. So I still have my Sirius XM radio show that I do every Wednesday and sometimes I pick up those pre-fight shows on Saturdays and I'm loving that, I'm having a blast. Um, the podcast has been cut. <laughs> That's one of those things that didn't make the cut. So, um, and I'm still doing appearances and whatnot, but um, just more strategic, you know, I, those out of the country appearances are probably gonna be fewer and farther um, between. But hey, what's great is that I live in Las Vegas and there's a lot of events that do come here. So any of those I'll probably be looking to participate in. How about training? I mean, uh, obviously very early on, I know it's tough, but mm -hmm. uh, do you still see training, you know, active martial arts training as, as part of your life moving forward? I definitely see a training as a part of my life moving forward. There's um, no way that I could just let that go. You know, it's just been such a big part of my life since I was, I would say, 15 years old is when I started wrestling. So um, I'm anxious to get back. Uh, I'm not quite there, but I'm really close. I, you know, I'm working out, but I just haven't got back actually on the mat. I think I want to start with some drilling and then work into to grappling. And, and uh, I would like to compete in some, some grappling competitions of some sort. I was going to ask, I mean, you always said, um, I think I'll, I'll still do competitive grappling. Mm -hmm. You believe that's still on the rise? I mean, how far out would, do you see that as I could get back there and do a competition? I think I could do a competition in, in within six months. I don't think that that would be too much of a problem. You know, I, I stayed really active and busy throughout the pregnancy. I was hitting mitts with my my former striking coach, the one I world my won my world title with, uh, Jimmy Gifford. Um, past my due date, I was nine months pregnant and in there hitting mitts. So, you know, it, it's not uh, too far out of reach for me to you know get back in shape and and um, yeah, start competing. You're still very much involved in MMA. I mean, as you said, you know the the, the radio show, pre-fight shows. I mean, when you're when you're talking about these fights and going to these fights, and I mean, is there ever a time where you miss it that you say, I I, I wish I had maybe one more go or get in there? Because we see people walk away and then say, I miss it. I got to get back in there one more time. You know, sometimes when I watch it in the heat of the moment, it's like, you know, it would be great if I could just go back in there. But the thing is, is all the the work and training. You know, it's like if you could just show up and fight, I'd probably do it. But to, to have to go through the whole training camp, the dieting, the and the politics of everything, you know, it gets crazy and and the, the the sport has changed. You know, I don't know if it's for the better or for the worse, but it's definitely much different than when I started. And for me, I don't like have that 
that same calling that I did, you know, in the, the forefront of when I started this all. So things have changed, and I think where my passion really lies now is with my family and with my my daughter. And um, so I think the, the grappling should suffice that competitive nature I have. You're still a very public figure, but I mean. It at the height, I mean, you were one of the biggest superstars in the sport. Is it hard to replace that that feeling? I guess the the attention. Of, do you almost welcome being away from the spotlight, or is it hard to, to not have maybe as much around you? How do you how do you balance that? I really welcome not being as much in the spotlight. You know, I love my fans, and I think that they're they're great. But um, there's definitely a room for just having your personal life be personal. You know, I know that a lot of this past couple years um, hasn't been out on social media and people are very confused of the fact that, you know, I have a baby now and I'm with Johnny and you know, some people still haven't figured it out, but it's just, I haven't put everything out on social media, you know, and, and that's actually a really good feeling. Maybe some, some people should, you know, take a take a tip from that. I think it's it's a good way to keep your personal and private life a little bit off social media because realistically, not everybody needs to be in the middle of your business. And that's just kind of how I've decided that I want to live my life. What I want to share is what I want to share. And you know, if I'm not letting everybody in on everything, I think that's okay. <laughs> so, what do you see for yourself moving forward as far as the goals for your life? I mean. Obviously, you said family becomes a priority, but you still got to have a job, still got to make money. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, is it just the analyst work? Are, are, you, are you seeing other avenues of MMA or even maybe outside the sport that you want to do? What do you see for the future of Misha Tate? Well, for the future of, of Misha Tate, the future of myself, talking about myself in the third person, um, I, what I see for the future is obviously continuing to build a relationship with SiriusXM, um, you know, possibly doing more analyst work. Um, but I, you know, I got to put everything on that way scale and family is going to come first. Um, so I'm in a really good position financially, you know, having fought with the UFC, I'm, I'm not, you know, hurting for money by any means. I'm, I own my house, I own my car and, and um, I don't see that really changing. So I'm just going to continue to live life the way I do it and, you know, still do appearances and, you know, travel around. She's going to be my little travel bug. Um, you know, she was in like seven different countries just in my belly, you know, so we're still going to travel quite a bit. We'll probably even do some appearances overseas, but it's just we got to do it strategically and get her passport and make sure she's ready for, for all the hoopla that's going to follow. <laughs> Perfect. We'll talk about the, uh, the UFC a little bit. Sure. Put the analyst hat on since you've been doing a lot of that. So I figured we just talk about the women's champions. I wanted to ask you first about Rose Namajunas, kind of what you think about her as a champion and her um, ability to continue. It was obvious she had Joanna's number, and we've seen that. But do you think she's set up to be a dominant champion, a reigning champion, or, or do you think some of the other fighters are gonna are gonna give her some tests? I think Rose Namajunas is amazing. Um, spotted a lot of talent on her when she was fighting in Invicta, well before she was a, a well-known name. She really came out there to fight and finish people. I remember her flying arm bars and flying triangles and just, she, she just possessed something different, a different kind of ambition. You know, when you see that in a fighter really young, that she's willing to take those risks, you know, big calculated risks, um, you think she's got a fighting spirit. And now she's the UFC world champion, and it doesn't surprise me. You know, I think that she's right where she belongs. I think she'll be. I think she'll be a dominant champion for a little while. I think someone that could possess some problems for her would be Claudia Gadelia. Um, but I think that's a very competitive fight, and one that I'm hoping we get to see in the near future. What do you think about her marketability? I guess you know mm -hmm. you, you've been at the top. I mean. 
you weren't a, a big trash talker or anything like that. But the biggest fights, obviously, were the ones that had the most rivalry with Ronda Rousey. I mean, mm -hmm. this day and age of kind of entertainment and trash talking, she's kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. What do you think of that? I mean, do, do you think, I mean, do you, do you like it? Do you appreciate it? Do you think it's going to be difficult for her to maybe grow her stardom because people tend to latch on to controversy for whatever reason? What do you think about her approach to, to her career? I think Rose Namajunas is a breath of fresh air, to be honest. And I think not everybody's going to gravitate towards the trash talking champions. If they all, if everybody turns to trash talking, you know, it loses its appeal. And I think that Rose brings a sense of uh, realness back to the sport. And there's a lot of people who are fans of that just because the way she presents herself is so authentic. And uh, she's a very beautiful girl, but she's obviously she shaved her head. She goes against the grain in a lot of different ways. And people like that. People do gravitate towards that. There is a fan base that's going to want that real authenticity. She's just who she is. And, you know, she's a beautiful soul. You can see that when she talks about people just loving each other and not being so hateful. And then she spreads a good message. So I think there's uh, there's room for her in the sport, and I don't think everybody has to have rivalries. Everybody has to talk trash. You know, she's going to be the one that goes against the grain, and I think she'll stand out for that. Very nice. At 125, Nico Montano is the champion. She was on the Ultimate Fighter. She won the belt there. Now she's going to go against Valentina Shevchenko in her next fight. Just wonder what you think. I mean, everybody, it seems like, is pretty much handing the belt to Valentina Shevchenko. I wonder if you think that Nico Montano has a chance of winning the fight, and I guess maybe more importantly, like what her mindset should be going in because she's going to be the underdog. I mean, on paper, nobody's given Nico Montano a chance. What, how do you think she should approach the fight with Valentina Shevchenko? What should her mindset be knowing that she's a champion, but people are basically already giving her belt to somebody else? Nico Montano hasn't been promoted very well. She hasn't, she's only had one fight technically in the UFC and it was on a smaller card. So a lot of people just don't know who she is. But I'm telling you what, you don't want to count her out. I know that Valentina Shevchenko is a beast and, you know, rightly so. A lot of people think that she's going to become the world champion. But I think Nico Montano is a, is a dark horse in all of this. And she was a dark horse on The Ultimate Fighter. She didn't come in with a very impressive record. Nobody really thought that she was going to do much. And she demolished the girls on that show. I mean, she really took it to them, and um, she's a very dangerous clinch with her elbows and her knees. She has some of the most brutal knees I've ever seen inside of the clinch, very well placed and very well timed. She also wrestles well. She, she's got a lot to her. She hits hard, you know, so I wouldn't count her out, that's for sure. I think that she might surprise a lot of people in that fight. What do you do as a fighter when, when, when everybody's doubting you? I mean, do you try to just avoid like reading the internet and listening to interviews or whatever, or do you kind of embrace it and, and use it as a chip on your shoulder? I mean, as an athlete, what do you think when everybody's counting you out, what's the best way to deal with all the doubt? I think the best way to deal with all the doubt is, is however you function best. I think it's really important that you're in tune with yourself. We talk about the mental and emotional aspect of the sport, but realistically that's so underrated still. Everyone's still focused on the, the physical part of it, and I think that you need to know how you function best. Some people function best when they have a chip on their shoulder and they want that negativity and they, they just want to feel fiery that fight night, and some people would rather just not listen to it and just 
put it behind him and, and, and not hear it, you know? So I think it just depends. I mean, she's going to hear some of it regardless. So she's going to have to be able to deal with that kind of pressure that she's being doubted. But again, she did that very well on the Ultimate Fighter. So I don't think she's new to that. Uh, I don't think it surprises her that she's going to be the underdog once again. But um, there's a lot of pressure this time. You know, she's defending her belt for the first time. It's going to be on a much larger platform against a you know, very proven contender in Valentina Shevchenko. So there's a lot mentally that she hasn't had to deal with. So, I mean, that's where the question mark is. Great stuff. Uh, last one, Amanda Nunes. Um, obviously a, a great champion at 135. She's got this kind of super fight on the table now, moving up to 145 with Chris Cyborg. What do you think? I mean, there are other contenders at 135, but probably not the type of money and attention that she could get for fighting Chris Cyborg. Do you like the idea of Amanda Nunes moving up to 145? Do you think the timing is right for her? And do you think that, does she have a chance? Is she the one that could actually unseat Cyborg? I think that Amanda could be the one to beat Cyborg. Um, the reason that I say that is because I've been hit by Amanda. I've never been hit by Cyborg and I'm sure she hits like a truck, but I can definitely attest to the power that Amanda has and she's deceptively lengthy. She's very long. You think you're out of her range and you're not. She is someone who could actually probably hurt Cyborg. Cyborg, I don't think, has ever really had to respect the power that another woman possesses standing across from her, or at least she never seems to have. With Amanda, that's different. She needs to respect the power of Amanda because if she goes in there and walks in straight like she does most other girls, she could really get hurt. Um, with that being said, you know, Amanda is a 135er, she's smaller. You know, Cyborg is the woman to beat. Um, I think odds are still in, in Cyborg's favor, um, but Amanda does possess the ability to hurt and stop Cyborg. I think she has the ability to hurt and stop a lot of men. <laughs> so with that being said, um, I don't think it would be a mistake on her part to go up to 145 and take on the biggest challenge that there is. Cool. Well, last question I have, uh, Ronda Rousey made it into the UFC Hall of Fame a couple weeks ago, first woman inducted into the Hall mm -hmm. of Fame. I wonder just kind of what emotion you felt. I mean, obviously you guys were rivals, but this is another breakthrough to now see women in the Hall of Fame. Did, did it stir any emotion? What did you think kind of seeing her join the UFC Hall of Fame? Well, I'm proud that women's mixed martial arts is continuing to be put on the map, you know. Um, personally, I, I think it would have been nice if we both would have been inducted at the same time because our rivalry was at the same time where it really kicked off the sport. It always takes two to tango, and Rhonda and my name will always be intertwined forever. And some people will probably say that that's petty or hateful. But, you know, again, here's the politics, you know. we. I think if I didn't tap out in that fight, if I did tap out, excuse me, and I didn't let my arm go backwards and break, I don't think that the fight would have had the same gravity and the same effect. You know, it was that people looked at that fight and they were like, holy shit, women are tough. That chick let her arm snap. You know, Ronda was badass and I was tough. And it was that combination, that rivalry that really fueled the interest. And I think that the UFC looked at that fight and said, wow, there is potential in women's MMA. Um, so with all that being said, um, hopefully I'll be inducted soon. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I can say I'm honestly happy for Ronda. She definitely deserves it. Women's mixed martial arts is still being, you know, represented. And she's in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, congratulations to her. But I look forward to when I'm inducted as well. Is that fight, since it even was a strike force fight, that fight can be eligible for a Hall of Fame for a fight? That's a good question. We don't know. It should be. What, it should be. I would think that it would, because I think they take everything under account. I mean, it was owned by Zufa at the time, yeah. so they could put whatever yeah. in the Hall of Fame. 
I mean, is that still, uh, would that still be, I mean, you've earned a lot of accolades on your own, but if that's the, the, the way that you got entered into first to the Hall of Fame, would that fight be, would you be happy for that, knowing that that fight did, like you said, help propel mm -hmm. women in the sport? Yeah. The fight that I had with Ronda Rousey in Strike Force, um, if that went into the Hall of Fame, I would I would definitely be happy. You know, there's nothing that I'm ashamed of in this sport. You know, you win some, you lose some, and um, you know, I let my arm break, and I feel like essentially I donated my arm to create an industry. That was former UFC Women's Bantamweight Champion Misha Tate. Listen, I like some of the things she had to say. I, I think she is she is a really good analyst. She really, really is. I think she's definitely growing into that role. Um, obviously, she does the SiriusXM show, which I, which I listen to a lot. I, I listen to that channel a lot, man. I, I they have a ton of pro wrestling talk on on Sirius mm. Rush. I mean, a lot. And, and no offense, it sounds like those guys know what the hell they're talking about. But I just can't I can't get into it. I wish. I wish somehow Sirius XM Rush was all MMA the whole day. You know what I mean? Just straight MMA. But they do have some boxing on there, which isn't bad either. They definitely know their stuff too. I mean, they've got experts in the field on the channel. I just wish it was a 24-7 MMA channel, man. I really do. That would be dope. That would be dope. All right. If you like what you're hearing with us, though, at the MMA Roadshow, do us a favor. Make sure you go to iTunes. Get on there. <clears throat> Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you... uh. Give us five stars if you can. And if you also want to, leave us a little review. You could be like the architect, 24, who Ooh. gave us five stars and said, love the detail of the matches. Really good show this week. Keep up the good work, guys. Y'all make me sound like I know MMA. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's what's up. Appreciate that. Yeah, that feedback definitely helps. I always like to hear it. So if you don't mind, take a second. It means a lot to me just to just to see that feedback, positive or negative. Yeah. Hopefully positive. Yeah. But it means a lot. So when to you're me. done wiping with them one white Charlies, or up. or while you're wiping or with them, I don't mind. <laughs> wiping, yeah. Just leave your feet your back with your left will hand. Will be clean. Your, your hands are your gonna be clean. Because your shit will be clean, son. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. You know we mentioned briefly Max Holloway. Uh, it wasn't much of an update. Uh, just so you know, all of our team at MMA Junkie has been reaching out to his team. They're all staying pretty quiet right now. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I guess I I just wanted to talk about that a little bit more um, because I I feel like everybody's ready to book Max Holloway again. I mean, we're looking at this spot in September, and I feel like I you know I read in the comments section or I see on on social media that people are ready to book Max Holloway again. And I guess the only thing I want to say is just tap the brakes, right? I mean, this this stuff is we don't know what it is yet, yeah. and he doesn't know what it is yet. But I, I think first and foremost, people need to realize, man. There's some health issues here that have to be addressed. Yeah. I mean, I would like for them to do whatever sort of – I mean, they have all kinds of crazy expensive equipment there that where they could test to see how the body's running. I hope they're running him through some multiple, multiple tests and, and, and do everything because Max is such a good dude. And it was just – it was sort of after the fact when you, you know, think that he was walking around and doing all that stuff with sort of like concussion-like symptoms, you, you're like, man, it just felt – just felt dangerous i felt yeah. bad like i i didn't want to see that i like mac and max and respect him a lot you know i want to make sure he's a hundred percent you know even out just even outside of the fact that i want to see him go back in there and perform and do what he does to entertain us you know he's just a good dude you know i want to make sure that everything's good before he gets back in there so hopefully they are you know putting him through the ringer you know i would almost like if they would kind of 
you know, because right now, if he's not cutting weight and his body is doing what he needs to do, I think if they put him through tests, they're going to get one set of responses. Mm-hmm. I would like them to almost sort of do a quasi sort of weight cut sort of thing without pushing it to the yeah, point of where Yeah, not all the way it, down to 146. But really strain the, bo- strain the body a little bit so he can really see if something's going on. There might be something that triggers, but only once he gets to a certain threshold. I'd like to almost see if they could push it near that threshold. I don't say go deathly weight cut because these guys cut so much weight, you Dude, know, a lot of times. Lot. You, and you can't – I don't know what it is. I don't know what happened, and, and yeah. nobody knows yet. But you can't tell me that weight cutting probably wasn't at least – and I'm not saying necessarily because yeah. he had said he wasn't in the hard part of his cut yet, but you can't tell me that weight cutting probably didn't have something to do with it somehow. Yeah, I mean, if they couldn't say why he was experiencing concussion-like symptoms, it just seemed to me like they didn't want to fess up to the fact that it was a weight cut. Sort That's of what – so I think Michael Bisping maybe said uh, that he had heard that he got knocked out in training, and maybe that is what happened. Yeah. But it seems to me if that was the case, why would Max be posting on social media, hey, man, I'm talking to doctors. We're trying to figure out what happened. Right. If you got knocked out the week before just in training, you know what it. happened. Yeah, you got knocked out the week before yeah. in training. That's what leads me to believe he didn't get knocked out in training. Yeah. That's, there's something else I mean, behind the scenes. I mean, especially – I mean, I don't know if there if there is any sort of concussion protocol set up beforehand that the commission says, hey, when did you start experiencing these symptoms right. and have a guideline? I don't know if something like that exists out there that they were afraid, well, if we do say this – you know that we—that's why we don't want to initially say it because we don't want the fight to pull. So we're just gonna run with it. And when people say it's concussion-like, we're just gonna say whatever. But you're right. If he—that's the only reason why I would think. Why wouldn't you just own up to it? Yeah. I mean, we see guys come in and they're trying to cover up cuts. They're trying to cover up shit that happens. That I get, you know. Yep. But something like concussion. I mean, if it takes a couple weeks or whatever, I would think if it's something like that, they're probably not going super hard a week or two out from when they're going to thing. And even, I, I would say, I would think the concussion protocol, even for, I think is what, maybe a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. where they kind of pull them out of uh, of action. I think that's what a lot of sports teams do. They usually do at least like 30 days, no contact. Something along, something along those lines, you know. So, I mean, I would think that he's probably not going that hard to where he could risk getting knocked out that close to a fight. But I don't know. Uh, it just felt to me like it, it had to be a weight sort of thing. Something, man. Be, There's got to be some be. kind of health issue. Because, again, and I'm not saying – I mean, obviously, Michael Bisping works for the UFC. I mean, he's got sources. He's got all kinds of knowledge, you know what I mean? Not to mention just relationships that he has in the industry. So I'm not doubting what he's heard. But if that's the case, I just don't understand why people wouldn't just come out and say it and they wouldn't be able to point to exactly what it is. You know, for right. him to say, I'm still trying to figure out what happened – that to me tells me, you know, or figure out what's going on. I guess I, that to me tells me there's something more. So I don't that's know. That's what's scarier about it. It, is, that, if it, it is. That's the scary part. You know, if there is legit concussion-like symptoms or something that came from what wasn't a hit and it wasn't a weight cut. That's even worse. That yeah, I mean, like you know, I've seen some people say, you know, was it a quasi like a, a precursor stroke, to like right? a stroke or yep. something? Then that's legit scary. It's like fuck. You know, I mean, that's. Maybe this will be something that you pushes know. him up to 155. His weight cuts are hard, man. Dude, he looks or it could be, rough what if they start, I mean, what if they find something that there is a legit, maybe a heart problem or something that ends oh, could end a career? Fingers not crossed, that you would man. want no, something like that, but that's, crossed, if it, that's, if that's, it, but. that's the seriousness of what could really be going on, and that's scary because, you know, if that's the case, love Max to death, but I don't want to see him rush back to fighting. At, if that's an issue like that, if that's the sort of thing going on, 
I just don't know if the PI has the technology to find that sort of stuff. I mean, they can tell certain things, but I mean, I I, I don't know. No, I don't they're know talking how about sending, they're, they're talking about sending them to like the top clinics yeah. and top doctors. So, yeah, man, twenty six years old. They have that brain old. clinic here in town. I mean, the the, the Cleveland Clinic. Cleveland Clinic. That's I right. Mean, hopefully, they would be maybe talking to them just to see. I mean, it's here in town. I don't know why they wouldn't. The UFC has a relationship with them. I don't know You're why right. they wouldn't say, it's "Hey, maybe let's go drop over here." Seems and like just they take talk a, a lot less about that partnership than they used to. I don't know. Maybe it was the, I that might have been maybe some of the execs that were around that aren't around anymore had that real like right. maybe uh, Hendricks. Yeah. I think had a, a, but I think I mean I get Epstein had a relationship. I think they helped put some. I get why if you're the UFC, you don't necessarily want a lot of people talking about brain health in combat sports. I mean I get it, right? We know these this stuff is not healthy for your brain, but I thought that was a positive direction. They're like, hey, we're really working and we're trying to. They were all gung ho about it. At one point, they were saying that the the clinic believes there may be a way to find out if you're genetically predisposed to being concussed more often than others. You know, because, like, certain people seem to get more concussed than others. Like, is there a genetic predisposition to it? And, man, if they could identify that as a marker, that would be great. Just be like, look, dude, you appreciate all your effort, man, but you have this marker. Like, it shows that you're going to get concussed very easily. Like, nah, man, you shouldn't be a professional fighter. Or even just, like, can't they routinely scan just to check where guys are at, too? I mean, it's one thing to see their bodies, like – just do like a periodical check. Like if you're not making them glow by doing too many checks or something, check every year or every other year. Like go in and get your brain checked. See what's going on yep. just so you know. The fact that it's there and they have this relation, that's the studies that they need to be doing. Like seeing active players. I mean, I get it. They want to take your brain after you're dead so they can compare what it is. Well, we did this snapshot of you, you know, 30 years ago, and now we're going to compare it to your brain at yep. the end of your life. How about when they're actively going in there? You know, if it's not intrusive, it's not something that's going to, you know, make them glow from whatever the radiation they're using, I don't understand why they don't they do should. A, a more periodic check. And they do guys. they do your full medicals for free. If you're willing to go in there and, and, uh, and basically – be a, a patient, I guess, or a volunteer, like a baseline study. Yeah, they do your, uh, they do all your medicals for you, which normally costs like a thousand bucks or whatever. Yeah. So they do it anyway. Uh, but you're right. The UC used to pump that out. They used to you pump don't it out. Hear anything about and, it? And and the other thing too is, guy, uh, uh, what's her name on the commission that's not there anymore? Uh, Lundvall. Yeah, Pat Lundvall. Uh, she used to open every meeting with it, and every oh, yeah. yeah, every single NSAC commission meeting, she would like during the public comments, right. she would say. Uh, you know, I would like to encourage everybody. I if they found some shit out, and they don't want to really. It's kind of what I'm wondering too. If somebody said, "Hey, let's go talk about yeah, this. Yeah, like shit. the <laughs> stuff. Every, like every time we meet with them, they tell us how bad our sport is for these guys' brains. Maybe fu- we should not point it out. Follow up on that. I think that would be a uh, would be a B Smith thing. He used to handle all those. Yeah, he did. All right, we'll follow up. Uh, all right, Anderson Silva. We found out this week he's going to receive a one year suspension. He's going to be back. back in October. <laughs> Yeah, and and fortunately, Cole Coffee was able to get him on the phone, uh, and and uh, and here's what he had to say. I back. All right, not a lot there from Anderson, but still something, uh, you know, hey, just normal. A, a quick. Oh, there's more. No, that was it. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry, I talked over it. You should have given me the sign that John. Hold on, there's and, more, and I can't rewind it. It's uh, so weird. That, that it's a one of those self destruct yeah, sort of Yeah, it's the way we produce this. It's the it's, it's the way. It's, it's really complicated. <laughs> I, I, I tried to explain, but you wouldn't get it. Uh, all right, but listen, two things I wanted to point out here. Number one, again, man, this goes back to 
those compounding pharmacies down in Brazil, man. The same thing they got Junior Dos Santos. Brazilian fighters, man, hopefully they have learned their lesson. Do not get your supplements from down there. You are Do not eat in Brazil. Your career at risk. <laughs> yeah, you'll get, what is it the thing Joe, Joe, Joe Rogan says? That you get the toxoplasmosis from the meat uh, down there? It, yeah. It makes the men more aggressive oh, and the yeah. women more pr- promiscuous, which to yeah. me sounds like, give me all the Brazilian awesome. beef, fucking eat. <laughs> I never understood why he was like, it's terrible. It makes the men aggressive and the women like, promiscuous. Well, I think it's just the fact <laughs> that it's a parasite that lives in your brain. Well, that part. I mean, that part but i mean if there was a parasite that could live in my brain that would just make me like an alpha dog i think i'd be like worm me up bro yeah or one that just literally just gave you like the longest dong in the world it just (laughs) you know like i ate this beef and all of a sudden i gained eight inches Like, but I'm also a dickhead. There's a <laughs> there's a worm in my brain. There's a worm in my brain, but somehow it makes my dick grow, and I'm a dickhead. <laughs> but the women love me, <laughs> and I'm probably going to die from it. Worm me up, bro. <laughs> worm me up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So and so don't don't eat the meat down there, and also don't get your supplements from there. Uh, I did say so, so I did hear some people say, well, wait a minute, man. Why did he still get a full year if they basically determined that he didn't cheat on purpose? Well, don't forget. He has a history, so this yeah. is this is you know a, a multiple time offense. So I think the one year is fair because it could have been longer. That's right. If he was negligent, or if he w- well, he was negligent, but if he was uh, if he acted in bad faith, yep. they could have knocked. It, it could have been like four years or yeah. Whatever, right? Jeff Davitsky, uh I, I did t- I touched base with him briefly today. We've been trying to track him down for an interview. It sounds like maybe the week of the Los Angeles fight, we may be able to sit down with him and maybe get um, some some up to date stuff. I mean, may talk to him about his book too. Has he got a book? Remember that was the whole thing at the Mob Museum. That was a book release. I didn't know he was a book. He was having a book release. I, I thought, thought he so. was there to just speak about. No, he was. No, he really? doesn't have a book. I, I thought that was a book release. No, no, no. I forgot about that. That he was speaking at the Mob Museum. Well, that was during Fight Week, right? Yeah, it was for Fight Week. All right, oh, maybe no, I read it wrong. That's why I thought that was the big deal. I was like, oh shit, he's having a book release. But no, maybe no, it was no. just. Man, you think you would, would let him write a book? I, because Why they not, were talking about it was just like a, a, a seminar series, like a, a lecture series or whatever. And they were talking like about doping in sport. Yeah, Mob Museum's cool. Yeah. Mob Museum's cool. All right, I guess. Anyway, so. Jeff Davisky talk. But here's what I want to get to with Anderson Silva. Uh, when we talk to Jeff Davisky, we'll, 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 I think it's going to be an educational thing. I, we'll, we'll address a lot of the concerns because he has some. Well, listen, I'll, I'll just I'll say some of it right now. You know, I talked to Jeff a little bit in Idaho, and I was like, dude, I'd, I'd really love to sit down and have a full interview about this. But like, for instance, I think you and I and most people believe the one part of the program that sucks is when they say like, you know, cold coffee. Has been flagged for a possible, you know, thing, and and right away, flag power for goes out again. Poor power in They've my been house. Flag for poor power. You're right. I did look and see. You're right. It, it wasn't a book thing, but I think the way they present on the site, it looked like it, it looked was like, like a, a book, book release. I was like, dude, Novitsky has a book. Okay, so you're right. So, uh, I think part of it is, is sucks because immediately when somebody gets flagged like that, you just go, ah, cheater. And the power's back on. You just go, ah, <laughs> cheater. Um, and I say, well, you know, couldn't you do something like just just pull the guy from the fight and don't mention it until you're like your testing is done? And he said, he's like, absolutely not. He's like, that's yeah. not transparent. Transparency is we say what happened. And you remember June Dos Santos was like, well, why don't you let me fight anyway? And then if you find that I'm guilty, you know, then find me double or whatever. And, and, and Jeff kind of laughed at that. And he was like, boy, wait, you test positive? We're still going to let you yeah. fight. And I do agree with that because – the thing that I've always said, and I know it sucks to talk about, but I do believe there will be a death in the UFC someday. It's, to me, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I do believe it's going to happen. That sucks to say, but but that, that is the reality of combat sports. 
And I think it would be, while that in itself would be terrible, I think what would be more horrific is if the person that's on the other side of the cage tests positive afterwards. I think, yeah, I think that would send, you know, general mainstream society into a uh, into a frenzy. I mean, I think there'd be like congressional hearings and stuff like that. So, um, anyway, Jeff has a lot of really good answers of questions we have, you know, that have developed over the, the years of this program. Why is it this? Why is it that? Dude, he is such a, a phenomenal resource, and so we want to sit him down, and we'll definitely have it on the podcast. We'll have yeah. a nice video, one of those uh, lengthy interviews. All right, so I'm gonna ask him why he doesn't have a book. Like, <laughs> there was, you go. I was I was stumping for you. I thought you had a book, bro. Where's your book? That'll be the important question. <laughs> I bet he's got a book though. He's got he's he's got a book to write. Oh, he definitely has a book worth of stories. That's for sure. I don't think it'll happen while he's working for the UFC. <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. Hey, they they'd have to pay him hush money. That's true. All right, but what do you want to see from Anderson Silva? That's this is what I want to ask because we we talked about today on, on MMA Junkie Radio it was the daily debate, and to me, I feel like there like the minute I heard he was coming back, there was one name that immediately came to mind for me that I said, "That's the one." Right, Brad there. Tavares. <laughs> Why you got to pick on Brad Tavares? No, bro? I think I, Brad wants that fight. I I. Right. Oh, I this thought was you were whole... taking a shot at our boy. No, oh, like, okay, okay. No, like, well, same thing. Like when we had the daily debate, you know, like who's next for him? Right. My whole thing, like, regardless of what he's done in the past, you know, taking into account, you know, the dude's been dinged or hasn't been dinged with, you know, supplements and all this other shit. Work your way back up, you know. Like Israel's now what sixth, I guess, because I think he he cattle up quite a bit. So now you're going to take Anderson and just immediately throw him in the middle against this other prospect, and then if Anderson sh- shows moments of greatness again, now you hurt Izzy, so Izzy's going to drop down. All right, so, so Israel Adesanya was the name I was yes. going with. That's the one. But that, to me, was the way name. Way too high. Way too much. I, 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 what? Anderson Silva's 43 years old. How is he going to work back up? Well, I mean, the dude's been away from the game for a while. I mean, like, you just – I mean, unless you're just going with the fact that, all right, I mean, he still has, like, six fights on his contract or something, or right. five or something, like, because when you – Remember he sold he, when he signed back up. It was like for like eight fights yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. But but Anderson is not a typical forty what three year old. No, he's 40. not. I mean like, and if he was legit Keeps himself going, in shape, he could fight hasn't multiple been through a lot times of wars. in a year. And the way that the UFC currently works, if he has two good fights, that third fight easily could be a title shot. Now if they're where they want to try to bring him in against Izzy, and then where do you go from there? The number three guy, or I I just feel like. I would rather see to make sure that he's legit. You know what I mean? Like if he if he shows back up and he gets starched by Izzy, you know, a guy that looked absolutely outstanding in his last fight, it does nothing. I mean, one, it's gonna just make Anderson's legacy just kind of just sort of seem more a little more, uh, you know, because he's kind of coming in with a lackluster. Right. Let him come in. No offense to like I I suggested like uh, Tavares and I suggested Jotko, your number fifteen guy and your number ten guy. Two guys, you know, Jotko actually replied back. He said it'd be an honor, you know. So like, there's guys that I think would be a good test, but also have the the ability that if Anderson shows up and Anderson does what he does, he would look good. And then it makes sense to give him that next fight, give him an Izzy, give him a number six guy. If he beats either the fifteen or give him the ten, and he looks like an Anderson in shape, give him a number six guy. And then if he looks good there, all right, hey, maybe maybe a contender, maybe a, a number two or number three. Then if that works, boom, give him give him a shot. If if he's even at this point, he says I'm sure he's going to say he's trying for it. But even at that point, that could be done within a year and a half's time. Yeah. Those like a good three fights could be in a year and a half time. 
I mean, I, I just don't know if people are thinking like this is going to be a one and done. Anderson's coming back. We got to get one last good hurrah fight on. But he's going to be rusty, even though he is still Anderson. He's not going to be the Anderson. Even the Anderson that came in short notice against Daniel didn't look all that great. And, you know, I mean, I just don't think we can't think of Anderson coming as going to be a fine-tuned Anderson. It's going to be a, a, an it's older, rusty. It's going to be an rusty. older, rusty. I haven't fought. I haven't taken a good, solid punch in the face in a while, Anderson. And he's still going to be great. I mean, look at what GSP. GSP came back in, and we didn't know what we were going to see. And he looked absolutely phenomenal last time we saw him. So, I don't know. I just – Anderson still does command a pretty big payday, though. And yeah, That's I, and, true. And that's what – I mean, so can you – Knowing that you probably got to pay the guy a couple million dollars, and I know that's not what's disclosed or whatever. But Comain, he could come in and Co-Main, get that in a Comain event or something against against Jocko. And I like Christoph Jocko. Right. I'm not disrespecting Christoph Jocko. I like Jocko, but I mean, can you put that as a Comain of a pay per view? Maybe. <laughs> you not much confidence there. No. All right. How about all right? Well, how about this one? I, I see what you're saying. So you want to come at it with a little bit different strategy. How about if GSP was available? Because I, I saw a lot of people saying. Maybe this yeah. is finally the time to do the GSP Where do you go fight. from there after that, though? I mean, like, if yeah. that's the kind of stuff that you're wanting to bring him, there's nowhere else to go after that. I think GSP. Like, that would be, like, the last fight that anybody would ever care to watch with him. I think GSP crushes. Oh, thank you for the round of frosty beverages here. I like the service. I should say it's service in the dark. The power's just been going on and off. And we're it. All of a sudden, the <laughs> beers just shut up. Well, I'm yeah, assuming like, that's literally the power just went in and out, in and out like five times. Uh, but hey, I will say this: I Maybe think we're under attack. <laughs> don't say that. Because <laughs> uh, it, it could totally happen, man. It with, could totally with, happen with, with, with the way things are these. Okay, but here, here's the thing: is the GSP fight. I know that's a super fight. A decade ago, we were talking about this fight. I don't know that I'm. I'm. I hate to say this. Because of course I'd tune in if it happened, uh, but I I don't know that I'm all that interested in. It. Like to me, I think GSP just like lays on top. Well, I don't say that. that's kind of rude to say it, but I think he just out wrestles Anderson for 25 minutes. Sure, and it could happen. Clearly, I think and you're clearly right. it happens. You're right. Like good two or three years ago, when both guys were still clearly firing on all cylinders. Not that they're still not great athletes. There was just a lot more to it, you know. That Anderson still had the mystique of, you know, no one's beating Anderson. You know, GSP owning his division. You know, that mystique is gone. You yeah. know, and now I would still love to see it because I think you still have two guys that are still two of the best martial artists that there's ever been. You know, but boy, wouldn't that feel like a shame though? But after that, no one, where do no you one, go from there? Yeah, I mean, like at least for I mean GSP, they'll find some matchup that makes sense. You know, there's still fights for him that I think are more exciting than what I think lies for Anderson. I think maybe just because GSP maybe true. can go down a little bit lower than what I think Anderson can, but uh, so maybe there's a little more options. Even though now, I mean, George wore that weight pretty good. Like, he did. You know, he can bulk up. I mean, like. But he has a, a limit to where he can go up as well. So, I don't know. Uh, that would be a fun fight. But, man, after that, that's all I care to see. I mean, like, where do you go from that? How can you follow up any possible fight after you match up him and GSP? Because every other fight after that would absolutely suck. What if what if Anderson, In terms of just, like, star status. What if Anderson did face Adesanya and then just got smoked? Let's say, like... That would suck the first as round. well. Could you still? Well, I was gonna say, could you do Anderson GSP after that or no? 
Oh, that would suck. Because you'd be like, no. At that point, he's already he's damaged goods. But it would help make Izzy a star. I mean, not that he's not already doing pretty good on his own. He, but I, that's the thing. He Izzy doesn't need an Anderson to make him a star. He just needs to keep doing what he's doing. And he just gets another. And if he goes and, and he takes on whoever, like number three, number five, I mean, anybody and just does as what he did like the last fight, he's going to keep moving up. I and mean, the thing with Izzy, you don't need to rush it and you don't need to force it. Right. It's working already. The but the the if there was I mean, I just feel like you throw somebody like Anderson in there and and Anderson does get starched, he's done he's damaged the goods at that point, you know, because one, he's not gonna want to then drop down after another loss and fight a guy that could have been maybe a better build up to try to build momentum. Because if people are saying like, Oh, he's forty something now, do you really think he wants to take the long haul? You think he wants to take a loss? And then try to build up. Get starched by I'd some rather, young kid. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather him build up, get that ring rust out. Even like you know, some would probably think that you know it, that uh, John Jones and OSP was kind of a shake it off a little bit. Let's see how he did. And we saw that even Jones, which never seemed to look rusty, never seemed to look didn't look good. You know, night. out of out of source, looked in a sense terrible to no. what we'd seen. You know, and I just can't think that Anderson's going to come in firing on all cylinders. And you want to put him against a guy right now that is really just seems like he's scratching the full surface of how good he's going to be. And then you want to – that it just feels that uh, – I don't know. I, I mean, don't want to see Adesanya Bohashinya right now. I don't want to see that right now. Save it. Yeah, I mean – Save it. The boat, those some studs. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. But, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Uriah did really good and was really, really – I think Adesanya might be able to elude the punches that were getting Uriah, but Uriah proved that Paulo can be hurt. Yes. You know, and can be stung, you know, and so that bodes well for, you know, a guy that right now, like some of the stuff that Izzy was throwing was just it was it was pretty spectacular. Some of the moves just coming out and it made you think like, Oh man, remember when Jones was firing all cylinders, you never knew where a punch was gonna come and it was just devastating dudes. You were seeing glimpses out of that but from a guy with a, a smaller build. I thought the John you know? Jones comparisons to Israel Adesanya at first were lazy. You know, I'm like, ah, because yeah. he's because he's black and skinny and tall. You know what Has I mean? The same <laughs> sort they, of similar build. Oh, I mean, not quite as big, but similar build. If you had had a couple beers and it was dark and you were looking across the room, you'd be like, yeah. is that John Jones over there? That's the thing. But Izzy's I will say gonna, the, the way he moves, like yeah. the creativity and stuff. Izzy's uh, gonna thicken up, man. When he when he keeps growing into that body, man, he is going to be. Devastating. I mean, he's already pretty devastating in what he does. And he takes a good punch, and he showed they had really good wrestling defense. Yeah, he did. You know, and he's like, I told you I can do it. You know, and he certainly did, you know. And, uh, and that's why he should knock out Anderson Silva next Well, time. that's the thing, because Anderson, if Anderson tried to take it down, Anderson wouldn't be able to – he wouldn't be able to do it. And it would keep it standing. And it's a slower Anderson that – Anderson got pieced up by Chris Weidman. Yep. You know, like, Weidman, he's good, and he's tough, and he's durable, but – his hands aren't firing like Izzy's is firing right now, and if he's able to do that, Izzy literally would make I think piece work out of out of Anderson. So I'd rather Anderson get, you know, and just to keep the keep the division legit. I and mean, we're getting so much in these just everything has to be the spectacular super fight. And we want this guy and this guy. It's like how about just let him work back up, you know, and keep the division honest. You know, you got a guy that's coming. Regardless of his past, uh, you know, accolades has no ranking, and you want to immediately jump him up to five, you know, 
people away from the champion and he's been gone and he just tested, you know, it, I don't know. It just, it sucks. But I mean, you're right. I mean, he is getting older, but I don't know. And I, I don't know. I'd like him to get a war. I, I would never call Tavares and Jacko a warm up fight, but <laughs> I'd rather, I'd like him to get a warm up fight. <laughs> Take it to extreme couture. You know? Let's just say that. <laughs> I know, right. I'd like him to get, maybe just shake the ring rust, get back in there and fight a little before you throw him to the top and, you know, stop all this crazy nonsense of, you know, everything has to be a super fight, you know. But you're right. We're running out of time with him. But, you know, who knows? If you ask Anderson, he says he's got plenty of fights in him. And that's the case. Well, let me ask Anderson. Anderson, how many fights do you have left? What's the plan? Uh, I'm back. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some other things happening in the middleweight division. We know the Ultimate Fighter 28 is happening. The taping is underway here in Las Vegas. We had a chance to go speak with all of the cast members and the coaches as well. Uh, got some quick scrums here. That, Heavy uh, hitters. There was not a lot of media there, I'll be honest with you. Uh, Robert Whitaker. We'll start out with Robert Whitaker, the champ. Let's start out with the middleweight champ. Uh, Robert Whitaker, we spoke with him briefly. Um, I will say, uh, well, we'll just let it play out, then I'll tell you kind of uh, – Kind of what some of my thoughts were afterwards. Here is the UFC middleweight champ, Robert Whitaker. Robert, first off, give us the uh, give us the health update, man. How's the hand healing up right now? Yeah, the the hand's going uh, going well. It's healing up nice. Uh, no complications thus far. So uh, looking to obviously I can't start the rehab program yet. Still in the bone mend and everything, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Nice. So it sounds like maybe I mean you're thinking early next year is, is the earliest you can fight probably. I've I've penned in February. This is the earliest that I can fight because it, it's it's one thing to to, to get at 100% and then the next thing is to train at 100%. My, my whole goal is to let the bone mend and get my hand at 100% before I can start a rehab program. Then I've got to strengthen it so that my body becomes 100% and I'm complete again. And then I would like to get a little bit of training in at that point. Nice. Have you started talking to the UFC knowing that February is the date of, hey, where are you going to have events in next February? I mean, are you trying to defend on home, home soil or are you willing to go <laughs> anywhere? What, what are you thinking about? It would be great to be able to defend my belt on home soil. Uh, it's one of those things that we have to see if the timelines meet. But uh, the UFC have been always uh, very accommodating, and they've been pretty good to me. So how hard was it for them to talk you into this, man? I know you're a family guy, and we're looking forward to getting back home. Yeah. And as soon as you got there, you're, you're flying back across the ocean. Yeah, it was very busy. It was a very hectic couple of weeks. Um, have a lot of things going on back home. But, um, you know, it's, it's a good time to do it because, uh, obviously, with my hands the way they are, I'm kind of out of training at the moment anyway. So um, I'm, I'm training a little bit slow at the moment. So it's a good time to come over here, do the filming, fit in training when I can with my coaches that I brought over, and uh, and things are going well, yeah. It's work, but is there any part of you that enjoys it? I mean, you, obviously you went through all this. I mean, is there any part of you that kind of feels like you're giving back or something like that? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best. I, I consider myself, instead of like a coach, a coach of the team, I consider myself more of a support role. Um, I remember how hard it was for me to get through it. And uh, I'm just using that experience to try and make it as easy for them and as comfortable for them as, as possible. How tough is this time for you in Vegas? I mean, have you brought your family over? Are you by yourself? <laughs> I brought I brought my whole family over. So uh, it, it was a the flight over was an absolute nightmare. Like you cannot believe how bad it was. But um, it's much easier. It's, it's, it is much better being this side of the fence than the other. Was it just dealing with the kids and stuff? That was the nightmare. I had three under three. On the way over, on a 14 and a half hour flight, my, one of my sons gets motion sick, so he's throwing up the whole flight. Like the other one refused to sleep. It was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> Let me ask you, when they came to you with this matchup with, with Gaston, there was some talk about who should be the next number one contender. You know, Weidman was throwing his name in there, saying he should be. What did you think when they came with this name? Did you feel like this was the rightful number one contender? 
Uh, I don't think there is a right or wrong. I think it's uh, the UFC and the, the the rankings and the division. Is, it's all about opportunity. You know, you get granted opportunity and you and you take a, you you know, you die for it. Um, whether or the good thing about being the champ is that your opponents come to you. You know, I don't have to worry about who I'm fighting next because they just it's everyone. So uh, you know, whether it was Gasolim or Wyman, it, it doesn't matter to me. It's good to know that I have an opponent already in, in, locked in, so that I can focus on him and start formulating game plans and tricks to to get it over him. Do you use this as an opportunity to scout a little bit? Maybe kind of, you know, maybe maybe play some mental games with them. Maybe maybe uh, you know, see if you can watch training sessions or whatever it may be. Nah, the the, the thing is, it's uh, Gasolim's been very respectful to me, and you know, he's not doing anything silly. Uh, I'm, I'm giving him the respect he deserves. He's a tough athlete. He's going to be a tough fighter. Peeking in on a session now and then is not going to change anything fight night. So, uh, yeah, I'm more, of a, I'm more of a guy that is, let me be me. I'm going to deal with my team. I'm going to do my thing. You do you, and I'll meet you next February. Nice. And lastly for me, I mean, so how are you kind of viewing this time in Vegas? Is it, you can't really train, I guess, right? So, I mean, is it just kind of relax and, and, and try to enjoy the time while you're here? No, I am training. So I'm still training every day. I'm training around my hands. Uh, the coaches that I brought over for the show, I'm utilizing well here for my own, for my own needs and benefits. Uh, so I'm, I'm still improving. I'm still getting better. But um, I think the biggest thing for me now is that I get to experience what it's like to live in Vegas for a little bit. You know, I've got my whole family here. Um, we're kind of living here. We're going to the groceries together and, and just because I've only ever lived in, in Australia. So it's important. You know, it's a good change. It's a good change of pace. One thing I can say is that it's too bloody hot here. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. It's so dry. I don't like leaving the house. How long until you be able to plant Charles Cardin? Uh, it, it depends. Uh, you know, I haven't even started a rehab program yet. So uh, at the moment, I'm still letting the, the bone mend and, and letting that heal. You know, who can say, once, once it heals, then I need to start the rehab program and then I need to adjust the dates and when I can start striking and the load bearing once I see how my hand is responding to, uh, to the rehab. Are you planning on doing other rehab here in Vegas? Definitely. I can't just postpone everything. Otherwise, it'll be longer before I come back. So uh, I'm, I'm, at the moment, I'm still in the healing process where the bone's still mending. But once that's done, I'm going to go see the, 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 the physicians and the doctors that the UFC provide and then can help me with uh, my rehab and recovery. He's a tough athlete. He he hits like a truck. He's fast. He's young. You know, and he wants it. The thing is, uh, personally, I think I'm just better at everything than he is. So uh, I look forward to getting going to this fight, putting my skill sets against his, and, and, and seeing how that comes out. Is it the best case scenario for you to be able to come here to have that time to coach on tough, to mend that and heal? Yeah, well, it, it did work out uh, perfectly in that regard. To for me to, to, the timeline is perfect for me to come over here and coach. If I was at 100%, I would have had to seriously think about whether or not I had the time to, to come out here and, and, and train because uh, my training would have been in full swing and you know, my training and my skill sets take priority over just about everything. But uh, the fact that my training is a little bit slower at the moment and it's a good time for me to come out and they offered it to me, you know, everything just kind of worked out. Gaston did say that maybe you are not going to be the same fighter after two wars against Romero. How do you see Ah, uh, you know, I think I think it's given Romero a bit of a a bit of a chip to think that he changed me as a fighter after fighting him twice. Uh, you know, he was a he was a tough fight. He was a tough opponent. I had my medal tested. If anything, I, sh I think it should be disheartening for every other fighter in the division. You know, no one has what it takes to put me away.
was Robert Whitaker. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I was surprised they got him to sign up for this gig. I know how much he enjoys being, uh, you know, with his family. I think it's cool that he brought his whole family out here. Uh, I will say, here, here's what I was bummed about. Uh, we didn't get a face-off between these two. I thought we were going to get our first face-off. Not that there's you – know, both these guys are really respectful, and you hear from Kelvin here in just a moment as well, Kelvin Gosselin. Um Both guys really respectful of each other, but you just kind of like to get that first that first image, you know what I mean? Yeah, that was that was kind of a big letdown. You know, we had set up everything. We were already planning on how we were going to shoot it, where we wanted them to stand. And, uh, yeah, it didn't happen. It was just like, oh, well, that was kind of, why we, kind of why we came. You know, like, we did you a favor. We interviewed all your tough fighters. We wanted the face-off. We did, by the way. We only had 45 minutes. We got to all 16 fighters, so uh, yeah. eight male heavyweights, eight women's featherweights. Um, the names are already out there, but uh, as we get closer to filming, we'll have some pieces with them. Um, kind of did some – didn't have time to do full interviews with them. I don't know if we'll if they'll give us time to go do the full cast interviews like we did previously. We, we haven't uh, been told if that will happen that we've done in previous seasons. Um, just being completely honest, you know, with uh, – Fox usually helps us with those and with, with them not – being in the picture anymore. Yeah. I don't think they're really too worried about <laughs> like, building eh, the brand for the future. Whatever. <laughs> hey, can we just go hang out at the house? Sure. Whatever. <laughs> can we just live stream? What's going on? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, who cares? Just don't go on the second floor. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, anyway, so that was Robert Whitaker again. We will have uh, the full some stuff with the full cast as well. Um, did want to say, uh, before you talk about Kevin, next week uh, – is uh, Conor McGregor's day in court next Thursday. So by the time we sit down to record next week, every Thursday night, the way we do on the mm-hmm. MMA Roadshow. Although I guess I'll be in Calgary next week. So I guess it'll be me, and the, young, me and the young Mike Bond and uh, and probably our good buddy Danny Austin. We're actually staying at his house next week. Are you really? Yeah, he invited us to stay at his house, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, You're why never going to sleep. You're going to get no sleep at all. I bet he, I bet he has just like – Dance party. He's gonna make it like dance party every night. He's gonna make you guys dance and get in yeah. weird outfits like we it's, found him in. Where it's was that, either Canada? gonna be like the be- oh in Brooklyn, Brooklyn where he was wearing his onesie. <laughs> oh my gosh! Where he, where he, I where, love that where, dude. Where he had gone to a special party earlier yes. in the evening. We'll just leave it at that. No, I love Danny. <laughs> yeah, he hit us up and he's like, "Dude, you should stay at my house." And he's like, "I live in Calgary." He's like, "You know, I'll show you all the local spots, that's all that." Cool. And I was at first, I was like, "Well, that's dumb," and I was like. Yeah, no, why not? I was why like, not? yeah, let's do that. So That's I was like, cool. I was like, are you sure? Like, you sure there's room? Like, you're not just being polite. And he's like, you know, I mean, I know you're Canadian, so you're, you know, you have to be polite. Hey, hey why don't you stay with me, eh? <laughs> that was it. You had recorded. It was such an excellent producer, man. <laughs> just always picking always up these pieces about that I don't, that I'm not even aware of. And uh, and yeah, we stay there. So when we sit down to record next Thursday in Calgary, uh, we will know what has happened with Conor McGregor. Resolution is expected. Uh, it sounds like, to be honest with you. From what I'm hearing, and I'm sure what you're hearing too, it sounds like the working plan right now is they're trying to do Connor and Habib on October 6th in Las Vegas at UFC 229. And I think this will be hurdle number one, get the legal stuff out of the way, and then uh, and then they do the big fight here in Las Vegas. That will be cool. It will be good to get Connor back and fighting again. Um, I don't know, did the World Cup stuff do anything for you? You know, them both posting, being at the finals, did that stir? Oh, that right there? Did that yeah. stir any emotion or anything like that? No, I mean, I was more of like, Fuck, look at Connor buddying up to Putin was, like, the only thing I felt. Like, I expected to see, you know, Khabib there doing his thing, but I thought he just looked like a regular guy just enjoying a sporting outing. Right. And no, it didn't do anything about it. It didn't get me excited or whatever. Uh, 
but no, I'm excited for that fight to happen. But yeah, as for like the World Cup, it was like, eh. Most of the teams that I cared for weren't. Well, I didn't mean the World the Cup itself. I know yeah, you. Know, I, I just like, meant eh. I just meant them two posting being at the final. No, uh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, I was I was <laughs> I was more picking up on weird, stupid shit. I was like, is that the same? suit that Connor was wearing in that other little video that we saw and blah, 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 blah. Oh, the little promo video he yeah, did. Yeah, the little about... promo weird video. And I was just like, why do you even care? I was like, I'm like, you pick up on the weirdest shit. And I was like, all right, then I just tuned out and stopped watching it or whatever. But no, I mean, I mean, let's get, I mean, these guys are going to be around each other. <laughs> Maybe he went for like safety. He's like, Putin, if there's anybody I'm going to be safer in this country with, it's going to be you, you right. know? But, uh, no, I mean, I'm I'm excited for, for that fight if it can finally happen. Um, but you're right; it'd be good to see Connor back. I mean, I miss I miss the hoopla of of crazy Connor fight weeks and all the fans. I mean, the fans uh, that come for those events, while they at times can be super annoying because it makes it tough to get around anywhere, uh, makes it so fun and exciting. It just electric. I mean, the the fight week feel of a Connor fight week <clears throat> is pretty spectacular. Khabib has it in New York in some of those areas. Oh yeah. Those are oh, fun. Habib in like, Brooklyn, Habib was, in Brooklyn amazing. was awesome. Was absolutely outrageous. And that's the only other experience where I can find somebody that sort of rivals it outside of like maybe an Anderson or somebody in Brazil like yeah. a couple years back or whatever. Um so that I'm super, super excited for. The fight's kind of the icing on the cake at that point, because we go through a whole fight week of just watching all this feverish pitch kind of build up around yeah. the whole scene. It's kind of fun to deal with all that. So when yeah. the fight finally happens, it finally gets you that release that you've been waiting for. You know, a year later, a year later, I hadn't even thought about this till just now. But you know, you talk about the hype of it. You lived the Maymac World Tour. Yeah. You you were I mean that was a hellacious week. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh a year later, now that, you know, it's it's in the past and the fights happened and all that stuff. How do you think back upon that time? How do, how does that how does that memory live with you? Because I know at the time it was like I hate you, John. Why did you make me go do this? Uh Yeah. To, how- I it is it is fond. It is but yeah, it's definitely nostalgic like cuz I remember it was crazy switching it was crazy long hours and like it was a lot of not sleep a lot of just going from here to here to here but i remember thinking as it happened i was like you know this is something i probably think back upon and think like that it was pretty spectacular that i was able to take part in it and i and i think i told you, you know it was like one of the only events where i've heard like my nieces you know talk about and like niece nephew and like cousins and people like oh you you're seeing that one fighter, you know, you're yeah. you're working that one fight, you know, my my sister uh she's like super awesome like super aunt. So she's always tied in with my my nieces and nephews going out and hanging with them whatever. So she's always closer tied to what my nieces and nephews say. And so when I got a call from my sister and she was like you're all the rage right now. I was like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "You know, Haley and Darby and everybody are talking to all their friends about how their uncle's working the Maymac tour and all this other stuff, uh, and they're wondering who's whatever. I was like, oh, I made it. I finally made coffee. it, you know. Big time cold coffee. So when I look back on, on uh, that crazy week, you know, it was such a crazy uh, sideshow, but it's like some when I it's some of the weird things that stand out. Like 
how Mayweather, you know, has this, everybody has this perception of, you know, they see this money and they see how he acts. And, but when you got him in close quarters and when he was talking, he was uber respectful. Phenomenal with the media. And he was like, so, he was like the nicest guy. And, you know, had all these people pushing and shoving and wanting his time. But when he came around and was talking to a lot of us MMA guys and all the others, others, he didn't, you know, just sort of diss us. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people thought that, oh, you're MMA outlets. You're gonna, he's gonna you're not, you he's off. gonna blow you off. And he didn't do that. And he gave us the utmost respect. So there was a lot of times that you know I think back upon it, I thought all oh, this crazy. The media was mainly like the boxing media, some of the fucking craziest people <laughs> out there in the world. But so in this moments of craziness, you know. And I think about these moments when I saw him, like, wow, I'd have this thought, like, wow, I can't believe Floyd's taking extra, giving us longer time than he was sometimes boxing media, you know, and there were all these just weird little instances. So in all this crazy hype that built up, there's these weird little moments that stick in my head and that I'm just like, wow, that was really cool. That was an interesting moment that when you can look back and all the craziness, find something you're like, Wow, that was neat to to have been through that, you know. In the moment, it sucks because it's a lot of hours and a lot of work and a lot of sleep where you're just like, fuck, and you're just running from here to here and you forget things and it's super stressful. But, you know, it's uh, it was good. I, I guess I feel proud that I was part of something that at least my nieces and nephews can understand <laughs> one thing that hey, I it's did. It's historical, man. It's you know, historical. It was. So, I mean, anytime that these sort of big, huge super fights, if you will, happen when you have that many crazy fans. I mean, the MMA fans, uh, I don't know if boxing fans were ever like this and willing to travel to the locations like MMA fans are. You know, hear MMA fans, you know, we have our buddies that – come over from uh, Northern Ireland. Ireland and all over the place, and they're just traveling halfway around the world to watch these sporting events weekend after weekend. And I just don't know if other sports, you know, maybe a national soccer team, you know, something that, that represents their country, you know, the their countrymen will follow that team to, to these crazy locations. But where MMA fans go to watch these things, you know, is it's amazing. And it's, I think, one of the things that uh, a lot of other sports don't recognize. You know, they MMA might be this niche sport, but when you look at the fans and what the fans, how fervent they are and their love of the sport and what they're willing to go, it's amazing. So when you put a fight like this together, you're going to be bringing two huge fan bases that are absolutely just into their dude, mm-hmm. so supportive that when you're able to kind of sit onto the sideline and, you know, stay distant from either one, you know, and just watch it, it it's it's the little moments that even come from that craziness that makes me appreciate those fight weeks. It's the the moments of guys, you know, uh, you hear all of these stories of like, oh, well, I was somewhere and, you know, these fans from so-and-so helped me out doing this, this, this. You know, you just hear these little stories of people coming in and doing good deeds from all over. And it's always there's always some sort of touchy feely stories that comes out of this crazy fight weeks that uh, I just love it. I mean, and then the, like I said, the fight's just the icing on the cake. By the time we get to the fight, you know, and if it's a great fight, we're like, wow, that's cool. But when I think about all these big events, it's the fight week. It's the other little days that always stick in my head. Yep. You know, the fight is just 
a part of it. In fact, some of the fight, if it's if it's a spectacular knockout, if it's a spectacular whatever, that's the little bit of the fight. If I had to go back and say, all right, what happened in the first round? Huh, I'm not quite sure. But when you can remember, oh, remember those fans we met outside of the media day and we were hanging with whatever and they told me the story about this, this, this. Those are the little things, that the odd, weird, weird, crazy shit that you remember. And uh, we're going to have that all over again once that finally happens. And I'm so happy that it's here in Vegas because it's going to be like some of the longest potentially. days. Potentially. <laughs> it's going to be some of the longest days ever, but it's going to be good that we're going to be able to hopefully sleep in our own bed, yeah. go to our, our, our local watering holes that we want to, and – it's in the town that never sleeps. So, like, you know, if we're working 18-hour days, at least there's six hours we know we can get something to eat and something to drink somewhere. So. Can I just say, by the way, I mean, your recollection and that impassioned speech, <laughs> I just think maybe from now on we need to do all episodes of the MMA Roadshow by candlelight. I think that was what – I think that's probably – I don't think people realize yeah, we're still in the blackout we're, we're, right now. We're in, a, we're in the dark right now, and Agent H has brought in some candles over here, and it's it's very romantic. I was going to say, maybe it's the smell of whatever this cinnamon something. I think the, the just the, 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 the romantic Maybe that's why I'm all emotional. Setting, man. You, got, you got deep in there, man. You got emotional. Got so from emotional. now on – uh, as the ex- as, as the executive this is the producer of this, by candlelight. <laughs> the quiet storm. <laughs> the quiet, <laughs> quiet. That was a radio host, wasn't uh, yeah, it? Yeah, that yeah. was like a huge radio. For host. sure, man. For sure. <laughs> That's this, hilarious. You got to have like some some thunders. You know, I have chimes in in the uh, oh, like, like the, like like in the massage room or whatever. It's looking awesome. All right, listen. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get to Kelvin Gastelum. We uh, we spoke to him as well. We gave Robert Whitaker his time. <coughs> we'll totally leave and that. John in. has died. Wow. The, he, he choked on candle smoke. <laughs> and then the carbon monoxide. This is how people died back in the day. Uh, yeah, Kelvin Gastelum, who was in good spirits. Um, you know, wanted to pick his head a little bit about you know kind of where he was with the UFC. It's so weird. I mean, a couple weeks ago. A month earlier, we're in Chicago, and Dana White's basically bashing Kelvin Gastelum, and then so next thing weird. you know, he's on the Ultimate Fighter as a coach, and he's going to fight for the title. So it's kind of interesting to see how that happened. Uh, talk to Kelvin about, you know, is he upset that he's going to have to wait till next year to actually get the title fight? Just all those things kind of that, that you're curious about. And here is Kelvin Gastelum. Kelvin, back uh, as a part of the Ultimate Fighter, you know, former winner versus former winner. Give me an idea of kind of what, what it feels like to, to be going through this again. Yeah, I mean, I've been through it already once before as a competitor, and now uh, I also coached the Latin American season. So now, uh, third times, third times the charm, I guess. I guess is what they say. Uh, I felt like this this time is going to be even better. You know, I felt like now I, I have more than the necessary experience to, to to help these guys get to the next level. You know, and um, the thing that I wanted to do before coming out was just let these people know that I'm here for them. You know, I just know how it felt. When I was in there, you know, I felt alone, I felt scared, I was nervous, happy to be in the house, but nervous, you know, a lot of, a lot of new faces, very big new environment, so I wanted to put them at ease a little bit and, and, and tell them, you know, these coaches that I brought here, we're all here for you guys, and we're here to help you guys get to the next level. So it's interesting because, I mean, ultimately you want your title shot, right? I mean, that, that, sure. that's the reason you signed up for this is to get your title oh, shot, absolutely. but it sounds like that you cared a little bit as well, like, I mean... So you, were you annoyed? You're like, oh my god, I gotta go for this season to get my title shot, or, and, and now you're just taking a good attitude about it, or were you legitimately like excited to do it? No, well, I mean, it, it is a lot of work. You know, what I mean, I, I did a Latin American season; it was a lot of work, but um, 
But now, I, you know, this, this, after this experience, I'm going to get my title shot, you know. And if I, if I got to get through this experience first, then, then so be it, you know. And I'm going to do it with every ounce of, of, you know, experience that I can. I'll pour it all into them. So I'm here. I'm here for them. Yeah. What changed over the last couple of weeks, man? Well, I was in Chicago. I heard Dana basically saying, Kelvin's got personal problems. He's got to deal with that, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then a couple weeks later, it's like, well, now he's a coach and he's getting a title shot. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, what, what happened over those couple of weeks? I think it was just more of a miscommunication between my manager, his, his, uh, his team, and then uh, my team. So it's just a mis- miscommunication, I think. And uh, we got it all figured out, as you guys can tell. You know, we're on, we're on better terms now. He gave me the title shot. And uh, I'm a coach now. We're on good terms. Nice. You're going to have to wait a while, right? I mean, his hand's healing up. It sounds like it's going to be maybe next right? year. When you heard that news, I mean, how did you process that? Is that, is that disappointing? Is that understandable? I mean, what, what's, your, what's your thought process? A little disappointing, but definitely understandable. You know, he's got a hand injury to deal with. Um, so I want to make sure he gets healthy, <laughs> you know, and make sure he, he, he gets all the necessary treatment for that hand. You know, if I have to pay out of pocket, then I will. <laughs> uh, we want him to be nice and healthy. The only other thing out there, I mean, people, there were arguments that said, hey, Chris White is the guy that deserves to be in here, not, not Kevin Gossel. Why, why do you feel like, no, that's, I was the guy, not Chris White? Well, man, shoot. You know, Dana always talks about people who fight and step up and fight should be rewarded, and I definitely felt like that was that guy. You know, I'd been fighting um, in the last 18 months. I had five fights, all three of them in the main event. You know, two, two top five opponents Actually, three, you know, two, three top five opponents, all of them top ten opponents, uh, most of them former champions. So I felt like I was definitely that guy that Dan always talks about, you know, stepping up and fighting. I was definitely fighting all the guys that people don't want to fight, you know, all the guys in the top ten. Last thing for me, uh, you're going to be out here for a while. We're going to see you, uh, you know, training at the PI, putting in some work while you're here, or is it more just about coaching and kind of relaxing, knowing that it's going to be – a ways off until you fight. Well, I'm going to try and get in here as, as much as I can, but like I said, the, the Ultimate Fighter job is, is a full-time job, and I, I'm doing it with every bit of uh, energy that I can. So I'm putting myself 110% for these guys. So that's, I mean, it's going to be hard to get, get some training in for myself. So, yeah. How do you see Whitaker and uh, which kind of challenges I mean, he's he's good. He's got a good heart. I mean, like he showed him his last fight. He he pulled through to get that win, and and obviously he's got very good boxing. But I feel like I'm I'm also I'm also a good boxer. My skills match up well with his, and and, and people forget that I also have a wrestling background. I'm actually a wrestler that learned how to box. You know, I haven't really used it in my last few fights because I I, I like standing up. But I'm I'm a wrestler. I'm a brown belt in jujitsu, and I and I have. Uh, you know, a lot of confidence in my ground game as well. So I feel like I, I, I match up well in, in all the aspects of, of MMA with, with Robert. Uh, let's, let's take this fight to be uh, in Australia or in <laughs> I will go wherever the title is. <laughs> it doesn't matter where it is. I will be there. I will make the weight and I will win the fight and I will take the title home. Yeah. That was Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, Kokoff, you you loved one particular piece in there. There was one money quote that you loved. I forget which one. You jackass.
<laughs> you just told me you loved it. You were like, ah, oh, that's the best. I know. I, I got distracted when I was thinking about the thing. Well, maybe we'll start this segment <laughs> over. So. No, no, no. We don't start over. That way. You were telling me you loved the fact that Kelvin was like, I'll pay out of pocket oh, to that get one. back yeah. healthy if I have I'm to. I'm sorry. I, did, I didn't realize you were going to jump back and make me think about what I just said a moment ago. But Jesus you're right. Christ. It was. The f- <laughs> that's how we do it. It's the I'm still I'm still all after, emotional. After, I'm still emotional. And we are still sitting at the candlelight. Sitting candlelights. I'm trying to I'm trying to like check on my NV energy, the website to see all the outages. There are still roughly twenty five thousand people in Vegas out of without power. But we don't stop. We don't stop. We keep Rosa doing don't it. stop. We keep we going. Don't. We keep doing. That's how we do. That's how we do. But you're right. The, the quote they got me of the fact that Kelvin's like, whatever Robert needs, man. If I got to pay out of pocket, well, I'll do it. Let's just do whatever testing they need to do. And he was serious. It was funny, but there was something so giddy about his face. Yeah. He was having a lot of fun with. It. I think he's he's finally happy. And you're right. You know, for a guy that the week before that Dana White saying, you know, needs to get his shit together. You know, <laughs> so crazy. and then all of a sudden, like, okay. By get your shit together, I mean like sign paper because we got a title fight coming your way, sir. <laughs> you have a title fight coming. Just so bizarre. You guys need I mean, to talk but, to Kelvin about getting his shit together. But yeah, because <laughs> I've been trying to get my title That's shot. So great. That is uh, funny to put it that way. Like, it's uh, and by getting his shit together, I mean sign the bout agreement. Sign the bout agreement. I was just kidding, buddy. That's that's gonna be. I mean, <laughs> it's funny because th- it's gonna be a very respectful. You already see that the guys are are respectful of each other. So we're yeah. not gonna have a. Uh, by any means, a, a Claudia and Joanna right. Tough or a Rhonda and Misha. It's going to be very, very civil. But I'd be interested to see how the, the coaching style, because Robert's always so short with his words sometimes. Yep. I wonder if he's going to, you know, sort of have these coaches do it and he's just kind of kind of kind of get so. his input. And even Calvin, I wonder how much he – I can see him maybe being maybe a little bit more involved. But, I mean, one, they're 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 teaching women. Yep. They're coaching women, but they're also coaching heavyweights. Yep. So there's nobody in their weight class. You know, they're 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 going to be outside of their normal comfort zone. I, but I think you know, as their level, I mean, they can they can impart their knowledge. So it should be interesting to see how their their coaching style plays out. But uh, I'm should be interesting. If, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna interested to see if Kelvin kind of pokes at Rob a little bit, like. But in good nature. In good nature, yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. he's, he's very respectful. But Kelvin likes to play a little bit, right? Like he likes to yeah. kind of have a little joke here and there, a little, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. Whereas Rob doesn't seem to me like I don't think he's going to want to interact with Kelvin at all. Yeah. He's not going to want to have anything really to do with them. And I think part two is maybe just like the humor differences. I think a lot yeah. of you know a lot of guys in either in Australia or New Zealand, their humor is very different than what we do in the yeah, states. Yeah. So they probably think we're jackasses uh, half yeah. the time. <laughs> uh, you know, so I can see that where, was my Mark you know, Conn, was, yeah. I think you, I think you went with the, uh, with with the uh, with the sage there. Yeah, the, <laughs> my my sage hunt. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I can see a lot of jokes falling flat, or you know, or, or maybe pranks falling flat because they they're lost in translation somewhere. Right. But you're right, I can see, I can. Uh, I bet we'll we'll probably see Kelvin trying to have a little fun doing. Something, I think so. But. Just to poke at him a little bit, like I said, not yeah. not mean spirited, but just a little bit. Uh, all right, let, last thing because uh, we're running long, but it's been fun to actually have somebody to banter with on the I show. Know. It's been good. I feel Even like I can been... barely see you except by light of uh, <laughs> this romantic candlelight, <laughs> the romantic candlelight, and the, and and the, and the computer, computer screens <laughs> glowing. Uh, yeah, but man, I feel like I've been rolling solo, so it's uh, I'm, I'm sure people are glad to hear another voice. But uh, I did want to say Dana White's uh, Tuesday Night Contender Series continues to be awesome. Uh, 
last Tuesday night. Dude, if you're not watching Contender Series, you need to get in there. Uh, Macy Barber, I had talked about her before, man. I think Macy yeah. Barber's legit, and I think she showed it. She is she is solid. Um, Edmund Shabazian looked fantastic as well. Uh, I, I, Domingo Pilarte, he definitely deserved it as well. Um, I, man, that was a great fight overall. I thought Vince Morales was, was phenomenal there as well. Um, and, and hell, that, that was actually my, – my comments after was I thought Vince Morales might have been the first fighter um, that deserved a contract even on a loss, man. He was he was legit. Uh, but I want to ask you, were you surprised that Austin Vanderford didn't get a contract, man? It's, I was. He, I, I, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked good. And, I, I mean, I thought – And you got the connection to Paige. Connection. I mean, the, the connection to Paige doesn't – like, for instance, I'll be honest. I didn't know that Edmund Shabazian was managed by Ronda Rousey. I guess I hadn't heard that before. Yeah. It was pretty common knowledge, but I guess I, I guess just wasn't know aware. That, we would have we would have shooed him in right off the right. get go. <laughs> That's it. You know what I mean? Like I, I was like, well, he's, he's trained by Edmund Tarverdi, and he looks like the real deal. Like I know I mean, Ronda knows him. But I didn't know she was managing him. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, he's in, no problem. But I thought I thought so Austin Vanderford would get brother in. Brother connection, you know. What I'm <laughs> 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 Austin, you got to work even, on that. Dog. Don't even know what you're referring to, sir. No. Uh, uh, oh, I don't even want to. I I was, I'm, not gonna I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. He usually likes brunettes. I'm not going to say anything. Uh, all right. But, well, yeah, shocked. Austin Manford. I did think that he was going to get one. I, I thought, the, yeah, the whole connection. I thought that the fact that he was able to get the finish, got the win, I was like, okay, he's got it. He's, he he did enough. And I, But that was part of me just thinking that with the connection uh, – I mean, shoot, every darn promo, Mr. Van Zant this, Paige Van Zant's fiance, mm-hmm. like it was like a package deal. So it completely made sense that we were gonna see that but within fight nights. Yep. You know, something sort of happening. So and I thought he did enough. I thought he looked good, you know, good looking physique. I mean, I thought he was marketable, you know, I'm like, okay, they can work something here. Um, but yeah, I didn't know anything about the uh, the whole um Tervarian uh, connection, or I would have been like, okay, yeah, because I thought that was I thought it was a good fight. I thought it was good. I mean, I thought his out- opponent looked just outgunned right from the get go. So I mean, even though he had a great performance, well, that's that's what's know, weird. I just is thought that you know the, a, a forty second win. It's like you're impressed by it, but I I, I I almost get more impressed when I see guys battle through adversity when they you know when you see oh yeah. dude he got rocked he got tested and he still came back like oh yeah. yes yes you know. And so, I, man, I feel like it's a it's a tough spot, man. But I know he didn't necessarily blow Angelo Trevino out of the water, but he did win, and I thought he showed some grit. Excuse me. And then you have the PVZ, uh, you know, connection. I thought it'd be good. So anyway, thought, yeah, I'm I was surprised. You. Next week, I'm bumped. I'm not going to be there. You're going to be there. Uh, you and I will be there the day before. Nick Newell is getting a spot. I'm so bummed. I have to go to Calgary on Tuesday. There's not flights. Um, that would get me in in time, unfortunately, on Wednesday to attend the press stuff. Um, so I've got to take the Tuesday flight to Calgary. So I will not be there for the Nick Newell fight, which I am uh, I'm incredibly intrigued by, man. Nick Newell definitely has skills and definitely deserves this opportunity. Uh, but the dude that he's going against, you talk to people that know a little bit about Alex Munoz. Uh, he's had some time off, but his his finishes have been impressive. Uh, it's not going to be a, a gimme by any stretch for Nick yeah. Newell. And the, uh, I don't know. I think this is. It's going to be good. It's it's potential. It's potential history. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's why I, I almost wish you would be there because I, I guarantee if it's a good night for Nick, and he gets that contract, which if he has a good night, he more than likely probably will. I bet we'll get DW in the background to talk about it. Oh, you'd have to, man. It's potential I think I think history, man. And 
it's such a hard spot because I mean, you know, I, uh, people have said it, man. I mean, it's it's not it's difficult to fight Nick Newell because he's legit, right? I mean, he's he's a legitimate fighter. Yeah. He's a legitimate fighter, but you're in a tough position when you fight him, man, because if you kick his ass, you're the asshole that, that beat up the one-handed dude, the one-armed right. dude. And if you lose, you're the asshole that just got beat by the one-armed dude. It's tough, right. man. It's tough to find in matchups. Uh, but Nick, dude, it's his attitude, man, who he is he's as a, a person. Kid. Oh, Seems like my a really good kid. God, he's phenomenal. Yeah. So I'm so bummed I'm not going to be there. But you'll be there. So, of course, MMA Junkie will have full coverage. So that's how we do. Uh, still sitting in the dark? Hopefully we get this uh, podcast. We we we're actually have to, we're running long anyway, just because it's been so long since we've been able yeah. to get together. But uh, we better cut it short. Yeah, because it's getting warm in here too. Because it is getting toasty in here, and uh, I don't want you to run out of power before we can get this bad boy uploaded. So I got ninety percent. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> so maybe the podcast will be up soon. Maybe it won't. Either way, <laughs> maybe maybe you won't get to hear it for a month if there's no power. <laughs> we'll figure out. Thanks for listening.